Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rocking and rolling, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. Saturday. You know what that means? It's all right for fighting. But also, it's episode 94 of the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. This is the AEW Rundown, now with an extra hour of television to cover. My name is Adam. I'm your host, Sal. Let's what's up, today. How you doing, man? I feel like it's been too long since we've chatted. I think I realized I didn't put you through my headphones. I've been sitting here with my headphones on for the past 10 minutes, and I'll get you still through the TV. Hmm. We fixed that. Just, uh, there we go. That's better. Still trying to work That's... the kinks out on, on Saturday night AEW rundown. <laughs> it's like we haven't done this for a week and a half or something. Right. How you been, man? I'm all right. I was sick at the beginning of the week. But, I know. Uh, what, you think you almost I, died? I'm decent. No. <laughs> you were like... Having I did trouble, not... like, with fucking, like, fever and sore throat and all this Yeah, but I didn't almost, I didn't almost die. I just spent all of Monday in bed because I didn't want to move. Oh, or, I thought you couldn't move. Tuesday. Okay. No, I, I, woke, I woke up on Tuesday and I, I had a sore throat. And I'm like, oh, it's just because there's a fan next to me when I sleep. It's blowing air at me and it's just, just dried up my throat. It's fine. I got up. I took a shower. Uh, I got dressed, got the kid dressed because I was going to take him to my dad's uh, for the day, and my and my entire body just went no, oh. no, Mm-mm. and then my kid couldn't go to my dad's because my dad was dealing with my mother again. So good times, good times. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so I I literally spent basically all of Tuesday in bed. Um, didn't go to work on Wednesday. Got it. I, I made it a month. I made it a year and a half in this pandemic without getting a Q-tip shoved up my nose. But uh, that happened on Wednesday. And I had to wait 30 hours for my fucking test results. When you say shoved up your nose, they really went deep because, like, now they just kind of like swab around like the very edge, and it's not that invasive. No, as, like, it, the first it test. was. 
It was the one, and it went back. Wow. Yeah. Why did they, they only did the one though? I don't know why it took thirty hours. <laughs> they sent. I got. I got the test. So she goes. We're gonna. Do, we're gonna do a COVID test just to be sure. It's, it's probably just vi- viral pharyngitis. It's nothing because they did a strain back. Like I guess it's not a bacteria, so it must be a virus. Like, like we'll do a COVID test just to be safe because we're a little concerned with the fever. So, so you don't see, typically, you know, if we do it, it takes like an hour to come back. We're not gonna make you wait around here for an hour. We'll do it. We'll send you home. We'll call you. Okay, fine. She's like, you should know by the end of the day. That was like nine o'clock on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> that was nine o'clock on Wednesday. Right? That was not. That was nine o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, uh, 7 a.m. on uh, well 7:30 when I got up on on Thursday. Uh, I called because I didn't because I didn't hear from anyone. Uh, and the woman was like, um, you know, no, we send those over to the hospital because I went to an urgent care that's associated with one of the big hospitals here in Manchester. She goes, we send those over to the hospital. I usually get them like a big chunk of them at like noon. So so if you call around noon, if you call around like noon, I should or if you don't, if you, we will call or you know. One o'clock, I call again. Uh, she goes, okay, I didn't see anything, so let me take a look here. And she brings it up in the system. She goes, that lo- that one looks like it'll be complete at 3.33. Okay. So I, <laughs> I mean, and she was right. Two and a half hours later, I got a phone call. She called me, she called me back. I was like, yeah, it's negative. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> But they sent they sent me home so I wouldn't have to wait an hour, and then yeah. it took thirty hours to call me back to tell which, me. Which which makes you negative. wonder. If which you I had figured stayed, anyway. If you had <laughs> yeah. stayed, would you have stayed for thirty hours? <laughs> which I figured it was negative anyways, but I you know it's nice to make sure, and I didn't leave the house because just in case. So I also didn't go to work on Thursday, mm. and I only had enough PTO for one day this week. Uh, um, why uh, did you just automatically assume it wasn't COVID? Because there was no reason that it would be COVID. I haven't been around anybody. I haven't done anything fun. <laughs> well... Granted, I understand you're fully vaccinated, but there have been cases where fully vaccinated yeah, I, I people are, are getting sick. And with the Delta variant, who the fuck knows anymore? <laughs> so. so, we are live to the world at twitch.tv slash the Salzer Effect. We got uh, Crimson in chat. Saxy's here. What's up, buddy? Uh, <laughs> Saxy says, when I got my second dose, the guy told me to stay in the pharmacy for 15 minutes. I walked home instead. That could have gone poorly, but I'm glad that it didn't. Mm. When we got our vaccines, it was it was a drive-through situation, so we were in our cars, so we couldn't go anywhere because it was the National Guard, so they would have shot us. Um, oh shit! <laughs> no. <laughs> apparently, by the way, apparently it is asphalt August in the city of Manchester because they are fucking repaving everything, including the the main the kind of main street outside the outside of our neighborhood. So I went to go somewhere yesterday, yesterday and they were like, "No, you got to go and turn around and go around the other way." I'm like, "Oh, you finally decided to finish this paving job you started three weeks ago." So they are tearing up the streets in the town that I live in, and there's really only one main street, and that has three different points where they're doing construction and road work and digging up the underground pipes and. 
I can't even go to the bank now without it taking like 25 minutes. Because <laughs> you just get rerouted halfway around the city, and I'm like, what? I might as well just go to the next town. What the fuck? <laughs> also, um, we did get good news this uh, today, actually. Um, my father-in-law had a biopsy um, because he was having old people problems, and I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to gross anybody up. And um, it, everything came back benign. So, yay. And I guess they tested eight sites, and he was like, shit, no wonder I feel like shit. Uh because it involved uh, his prostate. So, I, I'm not looking forward to getting old. <laughs> but um, but I was like, okay, so everything's benign, which is great news, so what happens now? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, so the problems you were having, they were like, he was like, yeah, they have no idea. And I'm like... That's always good. <laughs> well, it's not this. Okay, good. Do you know what it is? Nah, you'll be all right. Just take more pills. <laughs> that's your uh, that's your American pharmaceutical system at work, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh, we got a new dog. Oh, this, this, drug, this, this drug you need to live? Well, did you have $900. Don't even get me started. Sure would be, sure would be a shame if you weren't able to get your drugs. Hmm? Hmm? Don't. Hmm? Don't. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Uh, a puppy? Yeah, we got a puppy. He's an Australian Shepherd, so he's going to be huge. Right now, he's very cute. Uh, the cats don't like him. Mm-mm-mm. He goes anywhere Shocked. near them. He goes anywhere near them, and uh, my oldest cat just fur goes straight up in the air. We get pine coattail. We get oh, yeah. we get the fur in her back that just stands straight up. She gets up on her toes, and I'm like, "Would you relax? He's a he's a puppy. What are you going to do when he gets?" Friggin' full grown. <laughs> there, but but we we made an, a very uh, conscious effort to give the cats their own room, where mm. their litter box is, and their water is, and their food is, and their beds Lukey. are. Lukey, one of our former cats, uh, once smacked the shit out of my mother-in-law's dog so hard, he left a claw sheath in her forehead. <gasps> oh wow. <laughs> Well, you don't leave the cat alone. The cat's going to smack you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, dogs he also, he also got He also got really good poof tail once because he got stuck in a sneaker and it was chasing him around the house. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was good times. Was uh, good times. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh-huh. No, but the dog's great for now. And surprisingly, I am usually extremely, aller- extremely allergic to dogs. At least I was when I was younger. Not bothered at all. I'm like, wow, oh, this good. is random. I have been seeing an allergist, so I'm going to get, like, tested for everything in September. They're going to give me, like, the skin test, and God knows I'm probably going to swell up like a grape. But, you know. That'll be a fun episode. I'm not going to record on that day. <laughs> but they're going to test for dust, pollen, dog, you know, animal hair. They're not doing the food allergy test, which is because I was like, I think I might be lactose intolerant, and they're like, yeah, you could just take a pill. Well, also lactose intolerance is different than a lactose allergy. True. Uh, Astro, welcome, KT, welcome. Hi, Astro. Hi, KT. Um, yeah, and you think I, I don't think at your age they need to do the food allergies because you'd know by now. True. That's true. Have yeah. <laughs> 
So let's just run down the list of food allergies. Tell you what, have you ever eaten anything and died? Mm. I think you're good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we here at the AEW Rundown have a fucking shitload of shit to talk about tonight. The way we both just made old man noises at the same time. Old man noises. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of old man noises tonight. (laughs) So let's begin with Being the Elite. Episode 268, entitled... I forgot to write it down. (laughs) Titled Riding Solo. Riding Solo. What a very Aaron. sad thumbnail of Hangman as the as the caption. Riding Aaron Solo. <laughs> Bailey here. No. Anyway, not anymore. Alright. No. We cold open with a tight shot of what appears to be the back of the Nature Boy's robe. Although for some reason it has the initials of CJH on it. I I looked at the roster page. I got nothing. I looked at the WWE roster page. I got no idea why it says CJH on it. The Bucks mark out because they think it's the Nature Boy. Give it a few weeks. Uh, But when this man finally reveals himself, it's Machine Gun Carl Anderson tonight playing the role of Sour Boy. If, I mean, if you t- if you'd listened to the voice for one second, you would have known that it wasn't fucking Ric Flair. No, but I thought it was uh, because Luke Gallows because, because Luke Gallows of, had the all, the rib, uh, the robe on last true. week. True. Of all the people in wrestling who can do a Ric Flair impression, Carl Anderson is not one of them. Scorpio <laughs> uh, Sky does a really good one. He does. Uh, oh, Jay Lethal. <laughs> Jay Lethal as well. That's that classic. The classic GIF. Um. Yeah, the Bucks are disappointed, but end up cracking up anyways. I'll give Carl credit for for his commitment onto the Sour Boy character because that's going to be hard to do for more than like thirty seconds. Are you going to try it? You going to attempt it right now? So are you taking a sip of water? No. Oh. <sighs> Come on! I thought we were going to get a classic Adam impression right now. No. I'm taking a sip of water, please. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening at home, Sal just tried to make the face. Uh, I'm taking a sip of water because my throat still hurts. And... Uh. Did you ever have that where your throat hurts, and but only when you swallow your own spit? Mm-hmm. Like you drink anything and it's fine, but you try to swallow your own spit and your throat goes, what the fuck is that? <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. All right. After our title sequence, we begin with, we begin with Nick Jackson doing VO work. KT nice. says, I tried watching BTE this week. I got this far. You should have stuck with it. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, he's doing VO work. Then the Bucks open a gift from Warner Brothers. They got... Uh, by the way, the gift, the box from Warner Brothers says, like, do not open on camera. And they do it anyway. Because they're fucking assholes. Uh, well, no, I, th- I think it was just the, paper- the paperwork said do not read on camera. So it, the, oh, it was not oh, something oh. to be read aloud. Got it. Uh, they got a little LeBron action figure, much like the little penny, uh, a signed Bugs Bunny trading card, and three custom Space Jam Xbox controllers. Up, 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 up. Hmm? Room. 
remotes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. They're fucking controllers. I know. This is the, it bugged me, too, the way that Nick Jackson kept calling them remotes. Ugh, Nick Jackson obviously never played a video game in his life. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Kelly, and welcome in. They then give the controllers to Kenny and Cutler. Kenny, by the way, who's, like, impressed with the controllers, but still trying to play heel, so he's giving, like, dirty looks as he's holding them up. They were nice. Yeah, I like... Yeah, the, the the Bugs Bunny card, based on... I heard I heard Game Pass mentioned, which is an, an Xbox uh, thing for you can get, like, free games and stuff. Uh, so I'm guessing that the Bugs Bunny card had, a co- had a, like, a, a Game Pass code on it for a length of time, probably free, but... I don't think I don't think either Buck knew what the fuck that was because they were like, "Oh, hi, it's even got Bugs Bunny's signature on it." Mm-hmm. Nick's yeah, like, "My kid's gonna love this." The controllers I, were cool. The though. controllers were cool. There was Toon Squad, there was Goon Squad, and then there was the third one. I couldn't tell what it was, but it looked badass. I think it was just a Warner Brothers like a oh Warner Brothers like uh, not not collage but animated like Batman thing. logo uh, Batman Something Warner like Brothers <laughs> like thing. Uh, Something like that. But no, it looked cool as shit. And then... And the LeBron, and the LeBron doll talked when you pushed the yes. thing on his jersey. And, Again, just like Little Penny from back in the day. So, it was brought to my attention that in between this scene and the next scene, very <laughs> quickly we got like a Bigfoot sighting. Because yeah. in a blurry image that was on the screen for about a half a second, we had one man in a shirt and jeans talking to another man who was short, shirtless and pretty jacked. And my first thought was, wearing, it's Avalon and dark, Bononi. Dark green short. Yeah. Yeah, so you know how, you know how in, in, in Fight Club, uh, Tyler talks about uh, cutting frames, cutting like uh, frames from porns into the middle of movies just to see if anybody will notice? Yeah. It was like that. It was there, it was there for like half a second. Four minutes and thirty seven seconds is the time code if you want to see whatever the fuck this was. But uh, I don't know what it was. Sal didn't know what it was. Nobody in the YouTube comments even seemed to notice it. So I don't know what the fuck this was. But uh, two dudes standing against the wall. I said it wasn't tall enough to be baloney. But who knows? Who the fuck knows? One of those mysteries of life, unless they mention it next week on BT. But we'll see. <laughs> um, also, it's probably just an indictment of how shitty Brandon is at, at, at editing. So, is that? Uh, like I thought, I thought, I thought, you know, they'd had to cut something out and repost the episode, and they just missed a chunk of it. But I went to four one one to the Being the Elite recap on four one one, which is posted when the video comes out Monday at noon, and they didn't mention it at all. So, yeah, they wouldn't have to. Cut no. It. I, they wouldn't have to cut anything out. There was no Max Caster this week. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. Uh, we go backstage where the Bucks and the Good Brothers are fucking around with a basketball. Carl Anderson spins a ball on his finger and then switches said finger twice. Honestly? Three times. Three times. He switched the finger three times? Because he started with the middle and yeah. then he went to the first. That's the first one. back to the middle. Yeah. Then he went to the ring. Oh, he don't. Oh, fuck. Okay. I'll give him credit. He can do stupid human tricks. Uh, Juventud Guerrera, for some reason, Sans Mask, by the way, joins them. Is that who that was? <laughs> I, had, I had no fucking idea. They said it. They Honestly. were like, hey, oh, did they? I missed it. They're like, hey, Hoovy, take a shot. Uh, he takes some shots and makes one, I, but misses the second. I, okay, I but it's okay, because Nick Jackson is there. Off the rebound to lay it in. 
Pardon me as I smash my desk trying to scratch my ankle. Carl Anderson then leaves because he says he has to go rub one out. No one cares! Yeah. No. Uh, there's nothing really here. They were fucking around with a basketball. Nick made, like, six shots in a row. Yeah, you know, Nick's probably the best uh, basketball player in AEW who never had a shot because he's just too short. I could have been a contender. Anyway, after this, it's time for another. Go ahead. I could have been a small forward. (laughs) Yeah, right. I could have been a backup point guard. (laughs) Afterwards, it's time for another Triple H. I'm sorry, sorry, not Triple H, Double H segment. Lester, welcome in. Thank you for that resub. I appreciate you. We see clips from last week when Bobby Roode's redneck nephew got creamed on. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. I still don't know who the fuck his guy is. He looks like Bobby Roode's redneck nephew. Um, This guy trips out and ends up getting cream eyes. Don't you hate when you get cream in your eyes? Always said, (laughs) never let Ryan Nemeth cream in your eyes. It's true. Any thoughts on this... uh, Segment. <laughs> the best part of it was the replays from last week, because it still made me kind of laugh. From the the infomercial, don't, like, don't fucking it's, touch it. It's gonna corrode your skin. <laughs> it's like it kind of burns. Right. Also, that was Michelle, except not Michelle, because her name was Molly. Hmm. Mm. Weird. The plot thickens, just like the cream. <laughs> except, except we don't fucking care. <laughs> Ah, cream eyes! Fucking... Uh, anyway. Let's go back to the Elite, where Kenny is about to use a fleshlight to remove his lemmy mustache. Don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> also, not, not, not a fleshlight, but okay. That's what they called it, though. I know, it's a fucking... It was a massage gun! I know, but that's... Which the... I want really badly. <laughs> um... Fake JR stops him so the Super League can interrupt Hangman in the ring, and also so this bit can continue. <sighs> He's got a shaved mustache ja- for all out, right? <laughs> and Matt Matt Jackson tries to pocket the flashlight as a ha-ha, I'm going to use this later to come joke, except he can't get it in his pocket, and they keep the camera on him and call it out. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Hey, Matt, what are you doing in the corner with that flashlight? Cut. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, the guy who said that line, we go to Cutler Cam of last week's Dynamite, and we uh, watch the Super Elite beat the shit out of Hangman. I didn't realize during the segment last week that Kenny put on a dollar sign chain. We saw him no. do it here, and I was like, really? No, <laughs> the, the, the same type of chain you see at, like, Hampton Beach, <laughs> like in those little shops. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That will turn your neck green, like, after, like, a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Andy, says, Andy says, wow, wrestling. This isn't the wrestling part. This is the BTE part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even get the Cutler Cam shot of the Dark Order trying to help Hangman, but then Stuno forcing them to refrain. Next, Cutler runs into Avalon backstage. No, no. You mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy... Kazarian running out, and Bra- all Brandon can do is just go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Uh, that's true. Uh, okay. 
Cutler runs into Avalon no, backstage. I have had Christian's theme song stuck in my head for like two days, so if you hear me kind of vaguely whistling it, that's why I apologize. ADD brain, that's what happens. Nice. Uh, Avalon, by the way, looks like shit. And he's kind of pissed at Brandon, because now Brandon's cheating. But they, but he wouldn't cheat when they were the initiative. And Cutler's like, yeah. And then he admits that Peter was right, and cheating is a whole lot of fun. Avalon offers Cutler a spot in the wingmen, but Cutler turns him down because he's with the elite, kind of. He's like their bitch boy. Yeah, uh, but still. But still. Oh, yeah, I'd rather be the bitch boy in the elite than be in the wingmen. That's for sure. Exactly. That's what we call a downgrade. <laughs> they hug, and Cutler leaves, and Peter is super sad, and then realizes Cutler stole his wallet. <laughs> I did laugh at that part. <laughs> That was pretty. That was pretty good. Son of a bitch! He stole my wallet. <laughs> All right. After this, we get another Fast and Furious quote. I have to pause and I have to apologize for last week because I was called out because uh, all of these quotes are from the Fast and the Furious and uh, Orange Cassidy and the best friends are obsessed with the Fast and the Furious and the Fast and Furious is awesome. Yay! Fast souped up cars. There. Uh, This week's quote from The Fast and the Furious is, I don't feel like I'm under arrest. (laughs) Yes. Lister in the chat just, cars go... Uh, Chucky T is with Wheeler Yuta and tries to go over uh, Yuta's mistakes. They argue and Statlander bullies him. Cassidy has seen enough and leaves. There were some good quotes in this. You are, you are you are blazing over this, but there were some good quotes. I am blazing over it because we have three hours of wrestling to get through. <laughs> Chucky, Chucky T, as a coach, is hysterical because he's a terrible coach. Remember, remember we talked but, about that thing. When, when, when your shoulders go down, you kick out. Kick out. Out. That was that was one of them. And See, then Statlander moved his shoulders. Like, what did I tell you? When he, when he counts to three, it's over. So just kick out. <laughs> but my favorite, because we've talked about this repeatedly, Chuck tells tells Yuta to do something. I don't remember what. And Yuta goes, "But that's illegal." And Chuck goes, "Rick Knox won't care." Right. Ah, it doesn't matter. And a, Apparently, Orange Cassidy has been has been quoting uh, a Netflix sketch comedy show called "I Think You Should Leave," oh. which um, I watched uh, like one and a half episodes of and didn't really like it. But I've been told that I need to give it another shot. But uh, apparently, it's very fun. Do you though? Do you really have to give it another shot? I mean, like, if you watch another episode and you're still not there. I think you put in all the effort you can at that point. <laughs> Takes more than three episodes to make me come, so. <laughs> Next, let's go to Everize 2.0. Oh my god, I was I was so happy. <laughs> to see Everize? I was so I was so excited to see 2.0 on, on BTE. They are um, perfect for this type of shit. Uh, Jeff Parker wants to know why Matt Lee helped him to his feet last week, only to drop him. And Matt Lee... And why Matt Lee just marked out for Sting. And Matt Lee this, says... This is my my favorite comedy bit of the episode. Matt Lee says, 
Listen, you have to understand, I saw something in his eyes. When I looked into his eyes, I could tell I saw Jeff Farmer. Jeff Farmer. What? <laughs> You're what? telling me Bogus Thing was... That was Bogus Thing. I'm telling you, that was not Steve. That wasn't Steve. That was... That was <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> just Matt, Matt Martell just yelling, Jeff Farmer. That wasn't Steve. That wasn't Steve. He kept saying that, too. That was the best part. That wasn't Steve. That was not Steve. So, so good. A j- fucking Jeff Farmer joke in 2021. So good. Yes. Uh, from there, let's go back to the Bucks again. <sighs> They're with the Good Brothers again, and they're recording an episode of Talking Shop, which is the Good Brothers shitty podcast. Uh, they brag on the podcast that they can do these backstage bits, and it's organic, and it's fun, because they aren't overproduced like the other company. Granted, I will admit, I will totally agree that there's a lot of things, especially backstage skits, that are probably overproduced and overscripted in the WWE. However, when they overproduce and overscript something in WWE, it means we don't get shitty segments like half the time we get on Dynamite. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, it. I I was annoyed at this when when we started with this because again it was immediately just shit talking that other company that we used to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did appreciate the way the kind of uh, glimpse of them, them talking about how they actually did the segment and the fact that that was a second take and how they you know i just did this because i didn't think he was going to make the shot the second time and we'd have to do it a third time anyways and then it ended up working and everybody's like oh, oh. and then, like, and then apparently and then like got, a light went we, out like or something then, and then like, we got all dicks then we got all dick sucky again but yeah yeah um everybody no. thought it was because everybody thought it was the greatest pre-tape in the history of <sighs> okay oh. no i i i there's something to be said about freedom to create and do whatever you want, sure. But there's got to be a happy medium between what the WWE does and what AEW does. Because a lot of times <laughs> in letting, AEW, it comes off Vic, like shit. Between what, the, between what the WWE does and letting Vicky Guerrero speak without a script. Yes. Fair. Uh, let's... Fi- okay. Letting, letting Red Velvet go on TV and, and tell folks that she only lost to Brit because she was an enhancement talent. You know. Mm. Yeah, that's what I mean, happy medium. But again, I don't doubt anything they said, where, where Gallows was like, oh, it would have to go to this writer and three reshoots, and then the big boss sends it back and says it's not okay. Like, yeah, we've heard people say that before about how they do their, their stuff now, which is not how they used to do it, like, 20 years ago. But, <clears throat> like... When like, everybody was on cocaine. Like Jason said... No, I said 20 years ago, not 30. Oh, not 40, sorry. sorry but like sorry, Jason sorry. said, they're not a wrestling company. They're a content-providing business now. Yeah. So that's all they're concerned yeah. about. Um, okay, we go to what I thought was our final segment, where it's the clip of Tony Schiavone with the Dark Order from last week's Dynamite. Uh, and we see Hangman come in the room to get his drink, and we slow-mo it, and we see that he left the CD on the table. Now, Troy pointed this out last week. I will credit Troy. I had no fucking idea what he was talking about. Because I'm like, what What did he leave? I didn't see it. 100% didn't see it the first time. Um, so thank you to BTE for slowing it down for a stupid fuck like me. 
So You ready for ADD brain? Yeah. You ready? Go ahead. I didn't see Hangman's disc because I got high. <laughs> uh, fast that's, forward. To, that's how the process works, folks. Fast forward to present day, and the Dark Order are at Civil War. Yeah. Five and the Dark Beavers are screaming at Stuno, who are screaming back. Five straight up rage quits and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because. To be fair, it was because fucking dickbag Brandon's like, oh, you want the Dark Order on BTE? Here they are. <laughs> Being shitbags to each other. <laughs> Meanwhile, Silver's like, like, good. What? Fuck them. Let them leave. <laughs> okay, no, and Uno's like, I'll get him back. I'll get him back. No, but did you hear Silver right after Uno said that? He was like, fuck them. Who cares? <laughs> uh, and we're dropping a lot of F-bombs in this Dark Order bit. Alex says they left Hangman to die. And Uno says, this is what he wanted, Alex. <clears throat> Alex says, you know that's bullshit. And Uno says, this is why we make the decisions. Ooh, that's right. That's right. Fall in line. Seven or, or eight or nine or whatever the fuck your number is. Four. <laughs> Fall in line. Uh, Reynolds is three. No, Silver's I thought Silver four. was three. No, Silver's four. Because on his tights, the L and the V make up the four in Roman numerals. Oh. Still, and still, Reynolds has to fall in line. Reynolds puts the th the three instead of the E on his on his. There. Um. Colt pulls his dad card and says, "There, there are no right answers here." He's right. Colt's Colt's a very good mediator. Mm -hmm. Ten chops up cocaine. As ten is one to do. Um, however, Ten is using the disc that Hangman left to chop up the fucking drugs. They grab the disc and put it into their trusty suitcase disc player. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> they, they had a little suitcase that had stuff in it. They opened it up, they put the disc in the middle, they close it, it starts playing. <laughs> and they all have to turn around and just look up. Yeah, like a projector. the video is just up. <laughs> and I enjoyed I enjoyed Colt having to turn Silver around. Yes. Oh, it's over here. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's Hangman, and they all thought it was their movie that they've been bragging about for the past few months. Um, but Hangman admits he couldn't <clears throat> edit the movie. He didn't know it's how just... to put CGI CGI abs on Uno. <laughs> Y'all ready to cry, bitches? He couldn't get. He couldn't edit around the hour and a half long sex scene because they were just cracking up the whole time. Because no, no, he couldn't. He couldn't edit around the hour and a half long sex scene because of continuity. That's true. That's and true. also, and also, a lot of they had to scrap a lot of takes because they were laughing all the yes. time. The so laughing in, was not connected to the so sex scene. Instead, he wanted to give them kind of like a going away present. And he mm -hmm. made them a new recruitment commercial. Because remember, folks, Dark Order started, they weren't just a faction. They were a cult. And they used to try to recruit people. It's not just a faction. It's a cult. So, we're not a cult. right off the bat, this new commercial has Brody in it. And poor Adam's already tearing up. <laughs> Uh, and it shows that bit where, where Hangman, 
approaches Brody about like, hey, I emailed the Dark Order and you guys never got back to me. What they didn't show was Brody getting super pissed and beating the fuck out of his Dark Order members. With the papers. Yes. Give me the papers. Um, and then uh, we get the original you know, Dark Order uh, catchphrase that the Dark Order is here for you. But in a less creepy cult way this time, and more of like a summer camp fun with your friends pitch. Uh, and of course it ends with, join the Dark Order. Adam, what'd you think of the video? Mind you, uh, the video was nothing but highlights of Hangman hanging out and having fun with the Dark Order. It was so fucking good. Yes. Like, so, behind the scenes here, I I had not watched BTE this week because I forget, because I have ADD. Um, and Sal was like, you got you got to watch at least the last six minutes. Because because when I came downstairs tonight after working all day and getting home and eating supper and taking a shower, I looked at YouTube. It was like twenty seven minutes. <laughs> oh, he said, "You got to watch at least the last six minutes." I ended up watching the whole thing, uh, save for save for the opening segment and Cutler Cam, which I just fucking five seconds forward through on YouTube. So I ended up watching all that the whole thing. But good God, good God, yeah. this was so fucking good. No, it really was. Now. Um, a comment on the YouTube video that you pointed out to me. I did not realize this. In the very beginning of the video, Hangman has the original picture of the Elite that he had that that he had on his mantle like a year and a half ago, and he turned it around because he broke up with them. It's still yeah, turned so if around. You, if you if you remember way way back when 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 Hangman got kicked out of the Elite. He he did one of these kind of. Uh, it looks like the confession room on on those all those reality shows, and he, you know, so he put the he put the pictures of them face down on the mm-hmm. on the shelf, and apparently they're still face down. Why they're still there, I don't know, but they're still face down. Uh, I it was put a nice, your uh, picture away. Nice... Sat down and no, cried. no, okay. Do you don't like that song? No, all right. Good God, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're still there. So yes, but there's also a picture of the Dark Order that is being shown, and they look like they're having fun. So this was this fed. Um, so good. I'm gonna leave my comments about Hangman Page in this whole situation out for now because I'm sure we'll talk about it later. The the fact that I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this Dark Order movie was just a line, just a throw-off line somebody said in a sketch because they were talking about this sex scene. Right. And they just ran with it, and we got this. It's just so fucking good. No, it is. Um... So fucking good. So go go to YouTube, open up this episode of BTE, and just watch Ever-Rise. Yep. Sorry, 2.0, and The Last Six Minutes. Speaking of The Last Six Minutes. Sorry, I don't... I don't have the time code for whenever Rise shows up. Speaking of the last six minutes, we're not done yet. Because when we go back to the Dark Order Clubhouse, um, everybody's very super sad. In fact, Silver has, quote-unquote, something in his eye. So Colt, being the dad that he is, grabs his face and tries to wipe it out. And Silver's like, you poked me in the eye. Oh, you did it again. (laughs) Oh, that that really hurts. Can you, can you, I don't want to be talking right now. (laughs) Meanwhile, Colt Colt is rubbing his head. Yep. 
but doing so in a way where he's moving his entire head around. Yeah. And and Silver's just like, ow, 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 ow. I don't want to be touched. <laughs> uh, now, instead of finishing with that, for some reason, we go back to Sour Boy, who says you just really want her to wear the robe. I mean, don't we all, like... Like, you would if that was an option. Like, if someone was like, hey, that's Ric Flair's robe over there. I'm going to leave for, like, ten minutes. Definitely don't wear it. You'd be like, of course I won't. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know why we had to end with Sour Boy. But that's how we ended the episode. You didn't even know that, did you? You shut it off right after. No, I saw it. It Okay. No, I saw saw it. It was just stupid. It was. Oh, what can you do? So. Just like Adam said, we have a new reason to watch BT now, and they are called 2.0. <laughs> and the best friends were okay. Chuck E.T. is pretty good. Uh, but other than that, I mean, of course, we of course we have to have Nick Jackson doing you know fancy trick shots with a basketball, and we have to have Cutler Cam, and we have to have uh, Cream. Cream with Ryan. <laughs> All right. Come on, Mr. ADD. It's 1130. Let's get it going. Come on. ADHD. Uh, Forgive me. So, Don't try anything tonight. It's 1130 at night. Let's go. It brought, it brought, it brought up Reddit. I was looking at Reddit. I, it, it never said about. Reddit. Those words never came out of my mouth. I was trying to figure out the CJH on the road. Uh, Dina Mita, episode 98. Uh, oh, Andy says, so did Punk debut yet? No, that's next week. Uh, once he does, I might pay attention to AEW, just out of morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, next Friday, probably. Uh, yeah, this is the first uh, Dynamite in like two months that it's not like a special Dynamite. Right? <laughs> it's just plain old Dynamite. Well, yeah, because everyone in July was, and then last week was Homecoming, and yep. that was just like, all right, fucking Houston, go fuck yourself. Uh, Pittsburgh, sorry, Houston's next week. All right, Pittsburgh. You got you guys get the first episode of Rampage. So fuck your, your dynamite who gives a shit. Uh, yes. So beautiful Bobby Eaton tribute graphic. Then your opening video. We are did live they, from. The... Did they have to pick that picture of Bobby Eaton? <sighs> I'm sure there are much better pictures of Bobby Eaton than like the picture of him with his like 23 year old self and his buck teeth like falling out of his face. As he weirdly smiles at the camera. I'm just saying. I'm not speaking ill of the dead. I'm just saying. But continue. Oh, by the way, the, the Colt Cabana uh, tossing the DVD into a suitcase mm-hmm. is a is a kind of is, is another BTE callback because apparently Hangman Page used to play DVDs by in, throwing them into random things like a drawer or uh-huh. something like that. So. See, uh, we can right. figure this shit out on our own. Thanks, Reddit. Um, we are live from the University of Pittsburgh as J.R. hollers us into existence and talks about tonight's main event, Jericho's fourth uh, month of labor. Uh, he then awkwardly throws us to a video from MJF and Wardlow. MJF starts the promo by saying he's already beaten Jericho twice and Jericho hasn't beaten him, which is really why we're doing this, isn't it? So Jericho can get a win over MJF. Uh, he didn't say that. That was my own notes. Uh, MJF promises that Wardlow will stop Jericho's progress at arm's length from the finish line, but heaven forfend, if Jericho does somehow make it past Wardlow, MJF will just prove once again that he's better than Jericho, and Jericho knows it. Uh, Wardlow promises to win, MJF gives him shit for losing to Cody in the cage match, and tells him to get shit done. Okay. 
I really like this promo because it, this wasn't the typical MJF screamy promo. This was, um, he's very casual. He's eating an apple. He's talking with his mouth full, but he's doing what he's, he's doing it with class. And I, I just love the fact that Wardlow was like, huh, he's not getting by me. And then MJF's entire face changes and he's like, really? Yeah. Cause you took care of Cody in the cage, huh? And then Warlow's like, mm. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Mm. And it still lays that seed for when Wardlow turns on MJF or the other way around. Mm. Hello, cat. <laughs> we run down the rest of tonight's card, including the fifth non AEW title being defended on Dynamite. But up first, a trios match for no goddamn reason whatsoever. <laughs> Kenny in the box. Kenny in the box versus Dante. Don't ask where I'm Sorry, let's try that again. Kenny in the Box versus Dante. Don't ask where my brother is, Martin. And the side owls. Uh, Excalibur announces that Christian will challenge for the AEW title at All Out. How you feel about that? So how does that make you feel? Good. Uh, Kenny starts with Matt side owl, but immediately tags out to Matt Jackson. Matt and Matt lock up. Then Matt does a cartwheel and hits a double chop to Matt's throat. Matt pelvic thrusts for no goddamn reason whatsoever. Then Matt gets an arm drag and a standing twisting something and tags his brother Mike. Mike with a pair of arm drags, and he. T- you didn't bring. I missed the math. Cal- oh, Callus is on commentary, by the way. Yes, we have we have a new Steiner math, but it's worse because it's Don Callus, and it doesn't involve percentages. It involves very simple addition. Callus shows up in the booth and says, um, "Oh, I had a, I had a note about the one later on when they're in the ring okay. after the match." But no, Callus I shows up one. in the booth and he's like, "Um, I'm here I, I, for our six man booth," and. I was like, what are you talking about this four of us? And Callis goes, I I do the work of four men. And Shivani goes, then that would be seven. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Uh, dude, stop talking. Somebody cut his mic, please. Please, forever. (laughs) Seriously. Continue. Oh, right. Uh, no, 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 no. Mike with a pair of arm drags, and he tags Dante. Nick Jackson in off the ropes, and Nick hits a shoulder block. Back and forth we go. Dante hits a drop kick, then a head scissor, uh, and Nick uh, rolls to the floor, so Kenny blinds uh, Dante. Uh, the Seidel's double Enzigiri Kenny, and then a triple baseball slide send the elite sprawling to the ramp. A triple dive with an overabundance of theatrics by Dante. Then back in the ring with a big crossbody from Dante gets a two count on Matt. Nope. Okay. Uh, you made a motion. I thought you were going to say something. Uh, Mike in. He gets a standing moonsault for two. Matt gets a jawbreaker and tags Kenny, who just swats off a dropkick from Mike. Mike drops out of a powerbomb, but gets kneed in the back and then pie face to the mat. Nick in. He beats on Mike on the canvas for a bit, then throws him into Kenny's boot. Big body slam from Nick, and he tags Kenny. An elbow drop from Kenny gets a two count. Matt Jackson in. He lays some punches in in the corner and tags Kenny. Can we talk about how stupid these star tattoos on Mike's back are? So yeah. dumb. <laughs> uh, Kenny, sta- Kenny stands on Mike's dick, and then the elite triple team Mike, who still kicks at it too. Ah, uh, this is this is fun. Mike Seidel, <laughs> the Seidels in general. Uh, Mike drops out of a double backdrop from the Bucks, but then Matrix is a kick from Nick that wouldn't have hit him anyway, so he can dive and tag his brother. Matt hits a fisherman buster uh, on Matt, but Nick breaks up the pin. Uh, Matt hits a double hurricane rana on the box. Fuck you. Then a cobra clutch on the mat on Matt. 
Uh, Dante tosses Nick to the floor and adds in a leg lock. Then Kenny comes in to break that up. Kenny snapdragons Matt and Mike and then tries to snapdragon Dante, who acrobatics out of it. Dante gets the tag and impresses the crowd and the announcers with the ten punch. Dante hits Kenny with a springboard hurricane runner from the ring to the floor, then back in for a springboard moonsault cover on Matt for two. Everyone hits move. The springboard hurricane runner was really nice because um, the floor. Yeah, yeah Dante yeah, yeah. didn't like use the like his arms or his hands to to slingshot himself. He just jumped straight up in the air and landed on the top rope. So so good on him. It was kind of a show out, uh, a, a showing out moment for Dante in this match. I can't yeah, wait for his brother to come back and turn on him. <laughs> Swerve, bro. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> everyone hits moves on everyone, then Matt tags Kenny in, Kenny takes Dante and hits the Ushiguroshi. V-trigger for Dante, then Dante avoids a one-winged angel. Kenny with another trigger, then a tiger driver is countered into a roll-up. Another trigger, then the angel, as the Bucks super kick the Sidells to keep them at bay, then a triple BTE trigger, and that's the end of that. Mm-mm. So <laughs> It's called yes, the what? BTE V-trigger. Gives a shit. We've seen it before. I think it's a great finisher for a trios match. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, what do you think? Um, it was fun. It, it, I I actually really like Dante reversing out of the one winged angel and then the tiger driver ninety eight. Like he kind of, uh, you know that that was a little bit impressive. Um, other than that, I remember when. There was a point in time where I would be so excited for a Matt Seidel match. Like, mm-hmm. sure. Like, oh, that dude's going to do some crazy shit tonight. And I don't know. He's just kind of there now. His brother's definitely not much better. And, you know, they were just there to take moves tonight. Um, yeah. 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 And this was just to get the Elite a win and do the BTV trigger. So. <laughs> It was another, like you said, it was kind of, it was it was it was kind of a a bit of a showcase for Dante, mm-hmm. but it it was like the, the we just we need a match before this in ring interview, so let's just fucking and we need that's the thing we we and it's blatantly obvious why we had the match yeah and and. We need we 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 need a match to get to this interview, and we need the Bucks and Kenny out here for the interview. So, who can we put them in a trios match against? Oh, let's get them against the Sidels. And you, you're not doing anything. Me? Yeah, you. Get in there. <laughs> well, they 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 shoved Dante with the Sidels when his brother got hurt. So this has happened before. This is true. Uh, Tony joins the elite in the ring, but Callus takes the mic from him. Callus is quickly interrupted by Christian Cage, who Excalibur reminds us will face Kenny for the AEW title at All Out, because who really wanted to see Hangman get that shot anyways? Um, here's my here's my bit of Callus, Matt. Uh, Callus, Christian, the Stamford Stooge, which... What? That makes no fucking sense. Then uh, says it's ten on one. He said, I, guess, I, I know I, you're a little bit slow, Christian, but even you can understand these odds. It's 10 on 1. What are you going to do? And I'm like, he could have said it's like 10 on 1, and it would have been perfectly acceptable. I mean, I guess 
if you count Callus and Nakazawa and Cutler and Kenny's title belts, then maybe there were ten there. Maybe there were ten there. But yes, let's count the title belts as human beings. Um, even if Gallows and Anderson join them, there's only eight. So I don't know where he's getting ten from. Uh, yeah. Uh, this brings out Jurassic Express and this commercial break. Tony has the mic again when we come back, but Callus steals it again because we can't get enough of that game, can we? Callus says it for the live crowd that Christian gets his AEW t- title shot at All Out, uh, and the crowd chants CM Punk. Callus says Christian is a hell of a wrestler, a hell of a ring general, and that Christian has one of the greatest finishing moves he's ever seen, and tells him that Kenny can't wait to kick out of it. All right, I laughed at that because... That's... That is an old joke, my yes, friend. Yes, that is a very old joke. I don't know who first said it, but I know that Scott Hall said it to the Dudley boys when he showed up in ECW one time. <laughs> See, I always heard it was, it was Nash. Maybe I got my outsiders wrong. Oh, I, I heard it was Hall, and they were going to, like, fuck him up, and he was like, deal with it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is an old joke, and I and I did like it. And also, Callis uh, mentioned, I don't know if he did it here, if he did it on commentary, that he gave Christian his start in the business, and he kind of did, and we'll get to that on Rampage, because Jericho, who, of course, is like Callis' best friend in real life, uh, says that Callis booked Christian in his first match in some pissant Canadian indie in fucking 1996. Okay. <clears throat> oh, and then fired him immediately after. So, good thing Don Cowles has an eye for talent. <laughs> Excuse me. I apologize for that. I have just a little bit of a cough. Um, all right. Christian then straight up calls Callus a carny piece of shit because swearing is cool. But, but Christian wasn't wrong. <laughs> Uh, he then takes it back for the sake of a local pop. Uh, Christian says he talked to Tony Khan and Scott Demore earlier today and then announces while burying the Impact title that the opening contest of Rampage Episode 1 will be an Impact title match between them both. I will fight you for the most prestigious, the most important title in this business, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship at All Out. But I will also fight you for those other things yeah. you wear around your neck this Friday. Yeah. So I, lo- I saw a lot of people, and we'll get more into this when we get to Rampage, that were saying, like, um, oh, Impact must be so pissed, and, you know, Im- Impact must be fucking heated, that they-, they keep getting shit on. And I'm like, well, you have to understand also that Impact, they knew what they were getting into when they when they got into business with Tony Khan. They knew exactly how this was going to go, and they were like, please, sir. We're fucking on the brink of of going out of business. Whatever you want to do is fine. (laughs) Tony Khan was like, I'll give you a couple thousand dollars. I get to do whatever I want. I get to show up on your show. I get to book matches. They were like, can you make it 5,000? He was like, yeah, all right. Meanwhile, he's got 8 billion in the bank. But go ahead. (laughs) Oh, man, they're shitting all over the Impact World title. No, Tessa Blanchard did that pretty much all herself. So it turns out that may have been Peter Avalon and Caesar Baloney, because apparently there was a bit from BT that got edited out. There you go. Uh, where Avalon and uh, Leva Bates did a Korean drama style thing. Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, uh, Jungle Boy then speaks. Stop, Jungle Boy speaks. 
Yeah. Finally. Mm-hmm. Announcing that next week on Dynamite, Jurassic Express have a tag title match against the Bucks. Do you know why? Uh, ex- because Do you want to know why? Because the Jurassic Express are the new number one contenders for the tag titles. How convenient! What a dink! Right, the same time that Christian's going for the world title, all of a sudden Jurassic Express have moved up the rankings that fast? <gasps> It's a miracle. It's a mackerel. Uh, Excalibur then throws us to a video from Malachi Black. Black, uh, Black asks if he's really the bad guy here. Uh, they then show a slightly edited replay of Cody throwing himself through the timekeeper's table <laughs> three times in a row. It's a weird promo. It's a weird promo. I still don't understand why he's running with the half his face is like caved in gimmick. <laughs> like I, I I know what's what was it Seth who did it to his eye or was it Buddy Murphy? Somebody did something to Alistair's eye. Um back in it's WWE probably, days. It's probably Seth. He's got a thing for eyes. That's true. Um and now Alistair Black shows up and he's like, Ah, my eye is still all mangled and I'm like, eh. By the way, at the end of this promo, Alistair Black calls himself God. So Miro's his favorite champion then, right? <laughs> I smell a tag team. Ugh. It's uh, God and his com- favorite champion. <laughs> to commentary where JR calls Malachi a very special talent. Then he calls Cody a very special talent so they can plug Cody's shitty reality show. Son of a bitch. They, they fucking go into this whole depressing thing like, oh, I don't know when Cody's going to be back. Oh, he really took a beating. I don't know. We might never see Cody again. But you can see Cody this September on... T- Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All this for a fucking commercial. Uh... My next note. Thank God we get to watch a video package on that. Uh, it debuts Wednesday, September 29th. I'm going to bet right after Dynamite. I was kidding, by the way, so, on um, NXT Rundown. I was like, "Oh, we're gonna cover it," because I just wanted to see your face when you said when I when I said that. But um, I watched this little preview here, and I have no interest. A, I haven't gotten to that episode of NXT Rundown yet. Oh. B, are you watching me when I listen to podcasts? No, I thought you were gonna bring it up to me on the show tonight. Like That's you son creepy. of a bitch, you think we're gonna no. cover Rose to the top? <laughs> No, so look for new episodes of Twat Magic starting in September. Um, oh, I wonder if they can still call it that because Randy's a twat, so Cody's a Cody's twat, a twat sure. so it kind of works. We were we were throwing around possible titles in the host thread. Mm. I suggested Twat Magic colon Roads to the Twats. Uh, when we come back from break, we scan the crowd so Excalibur can throw us to a video from Miro. Miro also swears because it's cool. Friday at Rampage, Fuego Del Sol dies again, but if somehow he doesn't, he'll get an AEW contract. More on that in a little bit. Later. Um, you know, it, 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 the Miro promo is uh, consistent with what his character's been the past few months, so... It's fine. Yeah. It, it's not the new. It's. I did like when he said, um, I was. He said something like, um, I was redeemed in pain and, and, or condemned in pain and, and you will be the same or something like that. Um, but I will admit that my very first thought was, 
Really? You got no- nobody else we're going to get Fuego Del Sol a TNT title match? Because that makes fucking sense. Again, more on that later. More on that later. <laughs> match number two, Daniel Garcia versus Darby Allen. Two or, points. as I have titled it in my note, Twinks. <laughs> 2.0 accompany Daniel to the ring. They get a Goldman Box promo where Garcia tries to sound like a tough guy. It's adorable, really. Enter Darby Allen, not only in this arena, but also on my screen in action figure form. Adam's, not mine. Uh, Shout out to uh, my friend Soups, who purchased this in Canada and then shipped it to me. Oh, nice. For for no extra cost. Enter Darby and his dad to a pretty loud pot. Skateboard. Oh, nice skateboard. What does it say on the bottom? Does it say, like, Darby Allen, or does it say, like, Relentless, or... Since Darby Allen. Oh, Darby Allen. Nice. Anyway. Uh, I'm thinking Dar- maybe this one being open will... I'm going to open all the other ones that I've got over there. But mm. I still haven't opened my fucking hangman. Anyway. As Darby gets in the ring, Excalibur tells us that Danny Garcia has wrestled six times in the past seven days on the Independence. Well, first of all, whose fault is that? Okay, like, that's your own damn fault for booking yourself in six matches leading up to Dynamite. And second, when has that ever mattered? When have they ever brought up somebody's fucking past week schedule? Like, you giving Daniel Garcia an excuse when he loses? Because we need to protect Daniel Garcia? Right. What a fucking waste of a line. Uh, The bell rings and they lock up and Garcia forces Dobby to the corner. They break, and Garcia pats Darby in the face as if to say, good job, kid, which is weird on a whole lot of different levels coming from Daniel (laughs) Garcia. Darby and Garcia go back and forth with tackles and wrist locks, basic stuff. Speaking of basic, then we go into the quick covers portion of the match, where Darby gets a couple of two counts. Darby lures Garcia in and drops him with a drop toehold, and then locks in a Fujiwara armbar, but Garcia gets the ropes. Matt Lee jumps up on the apron to distract Rick Knox, and Jeff Parker uses this to sweep Darby's legs out so Garcia can get him down. Sting comes over to protect his child, but back in the ring, and Garcia throws Darby hard into the turnbuckle's shoulder first. Daniel Garcia is in control as we go to box. Back from box, and Garcia works on Darby's arm in the corner. Garcia tries a running dropkick, but misses horrendously. Darby goes up to the top, but Matt Lee distracts him, and Darby gets crushed in the top turnbuckle. Garcia then hits a hammerlock back suplex from the second rope, and this gets a two count. For some reason, the hammerlock suplex has just launched uh, JR and Tony into talking about the Andersons for like five minutes. (laughs) And by the way, not even Arn, like Ole and Gene. (laughs) Remember back in 68? Like, what the fuck? Old man talking about stuff. Garcia stomps on the shoulder before locking Darby in a modified right-side-up surfboard. That's all I could think of. He was stomach down, but he was getting his limbs pulled. I don't know. It looked like a surfboard of sorts. Darby gets pissed and slaps the taste out of Garcia's mouth three times. Darby goes for the second-rope springboard coffin drop, but Garcia catches him and locks in a sleeper. Darby tries to Bret Hart it into a pinfall, yes, that's a verb now, and Garcia lets go of the sleeper and kicks out. Darby hits the stun dog millionaire, and JL, JR calls it an homage to the stinger? What? Okay, <laughs> I, I also have that note. 
I wrote, that stun dog was rough, because that stun dog was rough. It was, too. It way, was very fucking, fucking terrible. Dan- the way fucking Daniel Garcia was like just standing there with his neck out, being like, "I'm it now, is it now?" But how the hell was it an homage to the Stinger at ringside, Jr.? When, you know, you know Sting's classic move, the Stun Dog Millionaire. Like he called it a stunner, which is fine. And then he's like, "Oh, an homage to the Stinger who's at ringside tonight," and I'm like. Did you confuse him with Stone Cold? <laughs> Do you think they're the same person for some reason? That's my friend Stone Cold Steve Borden. <laughs> Somebody give me a couple of Stingweisers. Yeah. After that, Darby hits the coffin drop and wins. Yay! Darby won a match in Dynamite. Like there was any doubt, like he was going to lose to fucking Daniel Garcia. Oh, shit. After the match, 2.0 jump Darby, but Sting kicks the shit out of both of them. <clears throat> Darby helps out, and then Sting hits a suplex on Matt Lee on the rampway. Sting and Darby beat up Jeff Parker for a little bit, but he slithers away, literally, and escapes <laughs> through the crowd. Jim Ross says that Darby and Sting go together like barbecue sauce and ribs. Mark it down, folks. JR probably had a raging heart on while saying that sentence. We go backstage to Alex Abrantes in the Death Triangle. Gross. (laughs) We go backstage to Alex Abrantes in the Death Triangle. Thankfully, AEW has finally realized you don't need Alex Marvez for these segments. (laughs) Phoenix and Penta run down Andrade and... No? Well, there was nothing nothing for Alex to recap. That's true. Uh, He could have recapped the, the travel issues that Andrade thrust upon them. In the past couple weeks. That's how useless fucking Marvez is. Uh, Phoenix and Penta run down Andrade, and Penta wants first crack at him, but Pac says, let me worry about Andrade. He tells the Lucha Bros to focus on the tag team championships because they deserve gold, and totally not because Andrade and Chavo said they deserve gold. I'm only bringing that up because you guys are championship material. Please don't leave me. (laughs) He tells Andrade he has no idea why he's obsessed with that triangle, but Andrade can come and have a go if he thinks he's hard enough. Apparently it's a British thing. Pac says he's not difficult to find. End segment. I don't know. It was, I mean, it was nice seeing the death triangle in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I get, I I understand the the luchador mask thing, how it's very important to them. But, but seeing Penta in full mask, full face paint, while also wearing a sweatshirt and jeans, <laughs> just it just looks goofy. It I'm looks sorry. weird as shit. You're not wrong. <laughs> at least Phoenix like looks like a little bit better. Like, right? like he's che- like he's cheering on his kid at a basketball game, but he's in full mask with the teeth yeah, painted say, on his chin and everything. <laughs> uh, your match? Like you're not going to throw it to me or anything? All right. Oh, sorry. Uh, and now here's right, Adam folks. with match number three. That's right, folks. It's time for another trios tag match. Ha <laughs> ha! 
Uh, jokes I forgot I wrote. Best friends, the Kentucky gentleman, Chuck Taylor, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, and vaguely Asian wheeling you done. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, this is what happens when I write this at like 11 o'clock on a Wednesday. Seriously. <laughs> uh, against humongous farming orderlies, Matt Hardy and Private Party. Nice. Uh, Orange starts with Hardy and immediately hands his sunglasses to Remsburg. Orange goes for pockets twice, but Hardy deletes it because he's still that gimmick. When he wants so to. Orange, so Orange makes Hardy play with his balls. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, I forget that I wrote. Uh, a roll-up gets a two. Uh, he did. He stuck Matt Hardy's hand right in his pocket. He did. Grab my cock! <laughs> <laughs> jiggle, 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 jiggle. Uh, vaguely Asian. Oh, Lord. Um... Orange uh, avoids a charge in the corner, then comes off the bottom rope with a splash. Something. A, a fall. He threw himself at him. Anyway, he didn't throw himself. He just kind of timber. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hardy tags in Quen, then Quen tags Cassidy. Once again, they fail at poetry in motion. Orange tags Yuta, then gets lazy kicks on Cassidy. Yuta comes in for poetry in motion. Yuta and Chuck hit some combination offense. A silly string gets a two count as we go to box. Uh, when we come back, private party are in control of Yuta. Uh, Yuta fights out of the corner, then hits a double drop kick. Nyla Rose then appears to take out Statlander, since they're fighting later. Then Jack Evans goes after Orange. Chuck is finally able to tag in. He takes out the three, then dives on Blade and Jack. Back in the ring, Chuck flapjacks Cassidy, then powerbombs Quen onto Cassidy, then another powerbomb for Quen gets a two-count. Orange DDTs Hardy, then dives on him. Big splash by Yuta gets a two-count on Quen. Blind tag by Cassidy. Yuta hits a German on Quen, and Remsburg counts it. Then Cassidy comes off the top rope with a splash to Yuta, and Remsburg counts that, too. Who fucking cares who's legal? Uh, gin and Juice on Yuta, and Cassidy makes the save. Orange punch to Cassidy. Jack Evans is a distraction. Hardy throws Quen into Orange, then hits a twist of fate on Yuta and pins him for three. This, uh... This happened. So... We needed Matt Hardy to get another pinfall victory on Dynamite. I thought we were done with that shit. <laughs> like a while ago, I thought we were done with that. That's number one. Number two... Uh, what character development have we given Blade and Butcher when he was there? Or Jack Evans and in Helico? Like, we have gotten no reason other than money of why they're helping out Matt Hardy, why they're in the Hardy family office. And they have done nothing different than when they were hired assassins for MJF. <clears throat> Butcher and Blade specifically. What's, you know, what are we fucking doing with some of these factions? Like, I, they're factions just by name only. Like, this is so fucking stupid. Yeah. Also, um, I understand that Trent's out. But this is the best thing we can figure out to do with Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Yeah, get him on the show. We got to get him on the show yeah. at least, right? Get him out there. Kids love Orange Cassidy. It's like Kevin Nash's book in this shit. <laughs> anyway. Uh, 
Backstage, we go to Dasha and Andrade and Chavo. She asks Andrade for his response to Pac. He calls Pac a bum and ungrateful. Chavo agrees. Andrade says Pac needs to be careful what he wishes for. Chavo suggests Andrade teach Pac a lesson at All Out, and we go to break. He teaches, he tells him to teach him uh, who the boss is, and then Andrade goes, I'm the boss. And he goes, I know you're the boss. you got to tell Pac. you got to teach Pac you're the boss. Um, I am down for Pac versus Andrade at All Out. That should, that be, should fun. be really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know it's been a long time since Andrade's had a match in on Dynamite, but you know what? I don't know. Like, okay, granted, instead of one of these useless trios matches, maybe we can get Andrade a match. But when the next match I'm going to see Andrade in is is against Pack, it kind of makes up for it. Also, mm-hmm. Andrade, spoiler alert. Um, had his match tonight, or is having, because I, I think it might still be going on, his match tonight for the AAA Mega Championship against Kenny Omega. So maybe they didn't want to get fucking Andrade hurt before then. Not saying everybody who wrestles in AEW gets hurt. I'm just saying, you know, maybe AAA was like, he doesn't wrestle until we have that match. <laughs> When we come back, a video on X-Lax and FTR. Santana basically calls Cash Wheeler a wimp for taking a break after nearly bleeding out. Where I come from, we tape that shit up and we keep going. All right, Sabu, relax. Your turn. Match number four, the highly anticipated number one contenders match that's not a number one contenders match, but they keep kind of promoting it like it is. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Statlander is accompanied by, I almost did the best friends, by Cassidy and, and Chucky. She got a new theme song? Um, yeah, it's a little bit more like Katy Perry's song now. Like didn't the song she was just yeah, on the indies. Um, Statlander comes out there and kind of sells her ribs, like her hands on her stomach, and she's going, ow, ow. <laughs> it's kind of a piss poor job at selling, but you know, be- because we have to be reminded that Nyla attacked her during our last match. Yeah, that was like five minutes ago. As soon as she gets in the ring, Nyla blindsides her. Statlander fights back and hits a roundhouse kick to Nyla's head, but Nyla shakes it off and pounces her down to the mat. Oh, the pounce was decent. Nyla chokes Statlander against the. Nyla chokes Statlander against the bottom rope. Statlander tries to fight back, but Nyla cuts it off with a released German suplex. That was alright. Nyla tries to follow up again and charges in, but Statlander avoids it. Nyla goes to the apron, but Statlander grabs her ankle and pulls her down to the floor. Statlander hits a pendulum moonsault off the apron onto Nyla. That was nice. Yeah. She gets Nyla back in the ring and gives O.C. a thumbs up, who returns the favor. Vicky comes over to argue with Orange. Does she? And Vicky shrieks in his face. However, because the camera's right there, Vicky basically shrieks in all our faces. Ow. My fucking eardrums. It's it's funny because Vicky screams. Mm. That's, uh, That's funny. Yeah, you know, it'd be funny if she lost her voice for the rest of her life. <laughs> uh, where was I? This distraction allows Nyla to catch Statlander trying to come in, and Nyla hits a Uranagi on Statlander on the apron that they call a chokeslam. 
Nyla pulls Chris in and covers, but the alien kicks out. Nyla lays Statlander across the top rope and goes up top for the diving knee drop, but Statlander does a handstand and starts to walk on her hands out of harm's way. Nyla gets down from the turnbuckle and spears the upside-down alien. Oof. Even the crowd was like, oh, shit. You don't typically wrote, see a spear upside down. I wrote, that handstand was dumb. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Nyla gets Chris in the corner and goes for mounted punches, but Chris snatches her up and power bombs her down. Statlander elects, however, not to go for the cover, but instead goes up to the top rope, and she then nails the Area 451 splash for the win. Your thoughts on the match? The 450 was nice, though. 450 That's was nice. Sure. This match... To, oh, go ahead. Um, <laughs> God damn. It was... It, it had its moments, like you said. It was... Uh, it also had its... Uh, negative moments. Thank you, Vicky. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I'd say it was, uh, it was a decent, it was, uh, entertaining little, little match. Yeah, it was a very short match. It was... Um, it was good that neither girl got hurt because they're not exactly like the cleanest and safest workers in this company. Um, nobody got their neck broke or concussed, so that's a plus. Uh, although if Vicky did, I wouldn't exactly complain. And like you said, the 451 was great. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Commentary says without saying the Statlander is yeah, the new but... number one contender for the AW Women's title. Yeah, the hand, the hand, Sam, the hand, ugh. The handstand spear looked cool, but getting to it was just it was dumb. It was a dumb setup for, for a cool move. I agree. Uh, we go backstage to the Young Bucks, because that's what we needed on this show is more Young Bucks. Oh, more basketball. Yeah, Cutler is also there, and of course the Bucks have the basketball. They brag, and they brag, and they brag, and they say that next week it will be as easy as a layup. Nick goes for the layup, but out of nowhere, enter Luchasaurus, who blocks that shit. The ball goes soaring right into Jungle Boy's hands. Jungle Boy drives to the hoop, and Luchasaurus sets a hard screen, and Matt goes down. Jungle Boy dunks, and boom goes the dynamite. Ha! See what I did there? Luchasaurus gets in Matt's face and says, Not my house! No, 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 not today. <laughs> I was kind of hoping he would have done that. Uh, Luchasaurus. Luchembe Matambasaurus? Yes. Lucha leaves. Uh, Jungle Boy leaves. Nick cries foul, literally. And Cutler says, nah, he got all ball, to which Nick screams at Brandon to shut the fuck up. All ball, Brandon Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we go back to the ring. We're telling. Best friend of Jody Rhodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, I didn't think of that until just now. We go back to the ring That's where Shivani right is uh, right. here to welcome our our champion, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. Before we get to Doctor Britt Baker, did you have any comments on uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy out basketballing the Bucks? <laughs> <laughs> He didn't care. Not even, not even the hard screen. That was kind of funny. Matt went right down. Thump. <laughs> you say you say that like I know what a hard screen is. It's when Luchasaurus stepped in front of Matt as he was trying to block Jungle Boy from dunking, and he just ran into Luchasaurus's chest, and Matt hit the ground. My only other note was that's an awfully wobbly back backboard. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see here. Big pop for the women's champ, who is decked out in black and gold. Britt's parents are shown at ringside as well. Big, big fan of the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, she had the Penguins logo on her fucking ring jacket. Britt's parents are shown at ringside. The crowd chants DMD. Tony asks Britt to comment on the rise of Red Velvet, and Britt says she can't relate. She's never had to rise through anything. She's always been on top. She gives Pittsburgh hope. She lifts the title up high, and they cheer like sheep. Britt says Red Velvet might have had a chance, but not in Pittsburgh. Not in my oh. house! Sorry, before this, there was a... The, they did like a video promo thing for the women's title match at Rampage. Mm-hmm. Why did they? Why did they cut out the part where Velvet said she was enhancement talent? Gee, huh. I wonder why. Anyway, Tony and Britt hit the catchphrase, and Red Velvet tries to attack, but it goes nowhere, and referees separate them. That was. I love. <laughs> I love that they that they gave out those those Britt Baker uh, terrible towels. Yeah. Say DMD on them, but then chose to focus on an actual Pittsburgh Steelers terrible towel, towel in the crowd. Hmm. Like, that guy's holding one up, and then it, zo- it cuts to that camera and zooms in, and it's like it's Steelers. Oh, shit, cut now, go! You think they know where their fucking plants are. And yeah, Britt says uh, that Red Velvet doesn't have a glimmer of hope of beating her in, in Pittsburgh. I don't think Red Velvet has a glimmer of hope of beating Britt Baker in any city. No, but especially but. not in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Specific. What'd you think of the promo? Or, or better yet, what'd you think of the reaction? Because there's been a lot I mean, of talk of of how they're using Brit, and I think in Pittsburgh you really don't have a choice. You have to kind of, yeah, you know, embrace it. Yeah. And and I, I'm going to talk more about this later. But we always complain that when when a a heel become so popular and they naturally become a babyface. We always complain when they change that babyface's uh, that new babyface's character and water him down. And they do it all the time. Like, like Punk was the fucking you know hottest property in the world of wrestling in the summer of Punk. But when they made him a good guy, like he lost a lot of his edge. You know what I mean? He wasn't ripping apart the company anymore. Like, he kind of was with Johnny Laronitis, but not as good as he was prior to that. But, like, I appreciate that that they're keeping Britt's character don't, the same. Don't, 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 don't say that name. I don't want him to show up and start talking about Vince's packs or something. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I appreciate that Britt's still an evil bitch. I, I have no problem cheering her while she's like this. I'm fine with it. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, sorry, it's mine. Uh, afterwards, we go to a pre-tape for Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Starks says Cage can find him next week on Dynamite. And he swears, no Taz, no Hook, no Will Hobbs. Ricky Starks will come alone. Cage says, yeah, right. Cage says he knows Ricky's lying because his lips are moving. But Cage says he'll be there. Hook then comes into the camera and gives us the old school throat cut as Taz laughs his ass off in the background. Old Chris Benoit. To be fair, Arn Anderson was doing a lot earlier than before Chris Benoit was. But anyway. <laughs> All what, right. What'd you think of the title. little, uh, you know, the little promo, the little 
uh, pre-tape we got here. It happened. So, obviously these these two have gotten very, very minimal time to tell any story, right? Uh, which is a shame because I'm a fan of Ricky Starks and his promos. But, um... You think this match makes it to all out, or you think this is gonna be like dynamite exclusive, like in two weeks? This will be on dynamite. Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, it is tag title time, but Impact tag title time. That's right, folks. Now, out of all the championships defended on dynamite, less than half have been AEW titles. Scott Demore is on commentary. Stu now are about to lose to the Good Brothers. Stu dives on. As soon as they get to the bottom of the ramp, he tosses Anderson in the ring, and we begin. Uno tags for a combo move that gets a two-count. Then Stu tags out for another quick pin. Very quick tags by Stuno as Excalibur talks about how there's dissension within the ranks of Dark Order over the treatment of Adam Page last week. Outside the ring, Cutler grabs Uno's ankle, so Cabana punches Cutler right in the mask. Uh, he chases Cutler up the ramp where Frankie Kazarian makes his appearance. He clotheslines Cutler and drags him away, and we go to box. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Scott Moore being like, hey, it's the original Impact OG, Frankie Kazarian. You're right. Uh, when we come back, Uno hits uh, kind of a Hurricane Rana on Anderson, then Tag, who steps uh, from the top rope to Anderson's shoulders to Hurricane Rana Gallows, who hits the floor. That was fun. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Excuse me. Uh, I just realized Brian Hebner is the referee for this contest, but we still couldn't get fucking red shoes for the IWGP United States Championship match. Mm-mm. Uno in. He just boots Anderson in the face, then a rising knee from Grayson. Uh, Anderson takes forever to fall back onto Uno's feet so he can be launched into the belly to belly into Gallows in the corner, and then they hit the synchronized cannonball splash, and that's a two. I enjoy Uno wants. I think they have a name for it, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, if fucking Anderson hadn't hadn't fucking wobbled for a minute and a half. Wait, um, before you continue, yeah. I would like to point out that right now during this match, we have Jim Ross, we have Tony Schiavone, we have Excalibur, and we have Scott Demore. And at no point during this did I feel like too many people were talking. About <laughs> Keep well, that in mind. <laughs> Stu wants the fatality, but it's countered. Uno pulls Stu out of the magic killer. He low bridges Gallows, then throws Stu like a torpedo into Gallows. Flatliner on Anderson, then Gallows counters the fatality by throwing a title belt into the ring. Gun stun, then a magic killer, and shockingly, the brothers are still Impact Tag Team champs. Why, why, why'd you have to throw the belt in? You can just pull Stu off the top rope. You don't have to. Whatever. Yeah. This was all right. It was all right. Um, I, I got to tell you, it's the best fucking Impact Tag title match I've seen in a decade. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you don't watch Impact. Yeah, and guess what? That's probably 90% of the people who fucking um, right. saw this match thought the same thing. I, 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 like, I like the Good Brothers in the ring. Yeah. Gallows I hate them. I hate them out of the ring. Anderson can work. Anderson's fucking worked Finn Balor before, back when they were in Japan for like a, you know. Like, his work level is like up there, but in Gallows it does decent big man stuff, but yeah, their personalities outside, their characters outside, I guess you could call them, is um, 
Just a bunch of fucking. As fuck. it, it's it's a bunch of oversaturated juvenile bullshit. That's it. <laughs> and it's and it's annoying because it hasn't changed in ten years. So you got that. You got that OJB. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> this virus is holding on. Uh, we then hear from Camille regarding her match with Layla Hirsch. Uh, Camille's delivery can best be described as a cardboard box, but with half the charisma. Yeah, she was another one who was just reading off the cue cards. This one. <laughs> Tony is now in the ring with QT Marshall and sorry, QT Marshall and Aaron Solo for the apology. QT says he never said he'd apologize to Tony. He said he'd see. QT said he said there would be an apology because Tony. Tony owes them an apology for the disrespect. Uh, but then he says he will apologize to Tony, so make up your fucking mind. Uh, uh, he'll before apologize. you continue, I should have seen this coming because earlier in the night, JR and Tony had an, another old man conversation about Tony's son, and I thought it was a throwaway line that he was there tonight, and I didn't pick up that it wasn't, and I'm very disappointed in myself because I could have avoided this. Just skip the whole thing. Yeah. So QT says he will apologize to Tony for what he's about to do to Tony's son, Chris. Uh, he tells Camarado to go and get Chris, who apparently wants to become a wrestler. Uh, Solo holds Chris. Camarado holds Tony. QT punches Chris in the stomach. Tony apologizes for everything, you son of a bitch. I apologize, you son of a bitch. QT does not accept the apology and cutters Chris, which JR calls a stunner because he's an idiot, and this brings out Paul White. Okay, oh, before we get to who it brings out. Um, how many fucking children of people in this company are trying to be wrestlers? Like, what the f- I didn't even know Shivani had a son. I thought he had all girls. Fuck's sake. And then, and, and not only that, like, I don't... I don't give a shit about QT Marshall. I never have. So this right. segment had no heat for me whatsoever. It was just like, can we nope. please hurry this up? Right. And then what happens? Five children. Yes. And I think most of them are girls. I thought all of them were girls. I thought he made a comment like that once. Like, oh, I grew up in a house with all girls. Doesn't it? You know how usually down at the end it'll have like a personal life section yeah. on Wikipedia? It doesn't fucking have that. Well, it's Shivani, so. By the way, yeah. he has five kids and Matt Hardy's like. going to sing something? Uh, Hold my beer. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was waiting for you to continue with the recap. Uh, okay. QT throws Solo to white and dips. Solo gets choked. Well. Go ahead, continue. I sure can't wait for that match. <laughs> so Paul White comes out to music that is a complete ripoff of his big show music in WWE, so much so that it actually opens with, well... It's not the big show. Imagine if they did that. If they did what the what the uh, Quebecers used to do. 
We're not the Mounties. <laughs> See, I wanted you to—I wanted you to, to do what you wrote in the in in the chat with uh, with me and Sean, the text with me and Sean. And I say, completely forget. Well, well, I just don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't like it at all. There. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we then run down the card for Rampage, then next week on Dynamite, your main event is next. But first, after a break, a recap of Joey Janela missing a superkick on Sunny Kiss on Dark Elevation and then pile-driving them. Sure. I thought Joey Janela and Sunny Kiss broke up like six months ago. Apparently not. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Uh, um, also, care- are you excited for QT Marshall versus Paul White? I just said... No. At all out. <laughs> T wishes he could get a match at all out. Um, he's half booking this shit, so it wouldn't fucking surprise me. <laughs> I think even Tony Khan is gonna is gonna be like, no, dude. Tony Khan's gonna be like, Paul White's return to the ring. Let's do it at all out. <laughs> Hopefully, it will be on the anyway. Line. It's karaoke time. Main event time. Your fourth. Labor of Jericho. Wardlow with MJF versus Jericho. I don't know why this was so confusing for Tony Khan and his announced team to figure out, but Ward, but MJF specifically said, I will be in Wardlow's corner. For some reason, that got twisted six different ways from Sunday, and people, including Tony Khan, were like, he's the enforcer, he's the special referee, He's the guest enforcer. No, he's none of those things, you fucking idiot. <laughs> what the hell? Why was that so difficult for them to grasp that he know. was just going to be there at ringside? I don't know, but I can I can delete my line here that says, make sure Sal notes that MJF is not refereeing or enforcing. <clears throat> Jericho comes out first, and he looks exhausted. Uh, maybe that's the point of the labors, or maybe Jericho's just old. <laughs> Yes, you know, as much as as much as they're saying, uh, you know, as much as they keep harping on commentary that this could be the final labor, Sal, I really think it might be. Mm, sure. People cheer yeah, was... and yell and definitely do things other than singing, but yet the volume sounds like fucking sixty thousand in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was Jr. who who said Jericho's eyes are fatigued. Yes. Get a close-up yeah. of his eyes. He looks old. He looks so, tired. So what you're saying is that Jericho is so old that having three matches in three weeks is too much for him? Dude, he didn't have three matches in three weeks when he was running with Owens. <laughs> and that was four fucking years ago. I'm surprised he doesn't drop dead in the middle of the ring. In fact, he will now have five matches in five weeks when we get to to next week's Dynamite. So It's going to be so sleepy. He might actually die in the ring. Uh, Jericho attacks Wardlow, and Wardlow just grabs uh, Jericho by the throat and tosses him into the corner. Also, I'd like to mention before that, when Wardlow comes out, he gets his music played for 15 seconds, and then MJF comes out and his music plays for the rest of the time. Get that cat off the piano. Uh, Wardlow with strikes and then whips Jericho into the opposite corner. Wardlow charges in, but Jericho gets the boots up. 
Jericho goes up top and hits a double axe handle. What the fuck? What, you think you're cool now because you did it once last week and now you all of a sudden you're Macho Man Randy Savage? He forgot, he forgot which labor it was. Yep. I wrote, hey, Chris. Oh, shit, I don't need to do that. Hey, Chris, you don't have to do that this week, you old senile bastard. Jericho hits the code breaker out of nowhere and Wardlow kicks out at one. Jericho looks shocked by this. Fuck. Fuck your finish. Well, son is finished on this company. I know. Jericho we'll looks, next week. Jericho looks shocked by this, and Wardlow shoves Jericho into the corner and just lays in the shoulder blocks. As commentary is like shitting their pants. He's won championships with that move. Uh, the exact line. He beat a dead man with that move one time. I'll f- never forget it. He beat a dead man with that move. I, I Really, Jim? Really? <laughs> you know, he beat The Undertaker at WWE Fastlane once. <laughs> Might as well have fucking just said that. Uh, he beat Triple H. Imagine if he said that. Imagine if he said he fucking beat Triple H with that move. I think Excalibur and Shivani would just fucking go silent. They would just, like, freeze. Uh, Wardlow beals Jericho, and the fat fuck barely gets his body over his shoulder. Excalibur switches his headset over the channel that just goes to Tony Khan and doesn't go over broadcast. He goes, I think, I think Jim needs help. <laughs> Warlow then launches Jericho with a, ver- with a release vertical suplex and then does it again before clotheslining Jericho <laughs> over the top to the outside. Yes. We've got full grandpa. Full grandpa. <laughs> Warlow punishes Jericho on the outside and throws him into the barricade. Warlow then gorilla presses Jericho up and rams him into the ring post and then no. drops the fat fuck on his ass on the apron. No, he fucking didn't. He had him up in the gorilla press. He walked towards the ring post. And then Jericho got too fat to fly. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he ended up dropping him on his ass on the apron. On his ass on the apron. He did not do anything even close to throwing him headfirst into the ring post, despite what what commentary said, because that was supposed to be the spot. Yes. Uh, Wardlow then drives Jericho's spine first into the ring post. Wardlow tosses Jericho back in the ring. Yeah. That's my other favorite. Oh, shit, we need a ring post spot still. Yep. Do something else. If I pick you up this way, I can actually carry you. Yep. So Wardlow tosses Jericho back in the ring and gives him a powerbomb. Okay? Hmm. MJF from outside calls for one more time. So Wardlow looks to powerbomb Jericho again. But this time, the fat fuck can't do a sit-up, and Wardlow almost giant kills him. What does giant kill him mean? Go backstage, ask Paul White. He'll tell you a story about Kevin Nash. Yup. <laughs> that, that's what happened, because Jericho couldn't get his fat fucking self up, and Wardlow almost dropped him neck first on the fucking mat. Like You gotta, you gotta mention that gift from AEW Botches. I forget what it was. Wardlow powerbombs Jericho, and Jericho immediately goes to retying the knot in his fucking sweatpants that he's wearing. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. 
Uh, during the break, we see Wardlow... Oh, MJ laughs on the outside as we go to box. During the break, we see Wardlow powerbomb Jericho thrice more. That's right. Thrice. That makes fucking five powerbombs in total. Back from break, and Wardlow hits a sixth. What is this? Fucking Brock Lesnar with the German suplexes? Yeah. I would like Powerbomb to, city, bitch. I would like to bring up that Wardlow never attempts a cover after any of the powerbombs. <laughs> Why? Because then this whole labor Jericho thing would have been over. Jericho tries to fight back and comes off the ropes with a crossbody, if you can believe it. Uh, Wardlow catches him and hits Jericho with the F10. So that's it, right? Match over. Labor's done. Jericho's a loser for the rest of his life. I mean, he is anyway. Wardlow calls for the knee that concusses people, and Jericho slowly falls down to the mat to grab Wardlow's leg and turn him into the walls. So, Jericho's on the turnbuckle, about to get kneed in the fucking jaw, and he's supposed to, like, jump down to the apron and, and take out Wardlow's legs and put him in the walls, but he just, like, slowly climbs down the turnbuckle. <laughs> Ow, my back! Ow! It's fat and old. What do you want? Uh, let's see here. He turns, he turns Wardlow into the walls. MJF jumps up on the apron and rakes Jericho's eyes. MJF then slides into the ring on the other corner and tries to hand Wardlow the dynamite diamond ring, but Aubrey catches him doing this and ejects him from ringside. You're out of here! At least she didn't wind up for 15 minutes first. That's true. MJF refuses to leave initially... For for all of you asking, how could the referee eject the enforcer? He's not the fucking enforcer. No, never was. MJF refuses to leave initially, but then slowly makes his way up the ramp. Aubrey screams at MJF to fucking leave already, which allows Jericho to grab Floyd. He hits Wardlow in the face with the baseball bat, but the big man is stunned and doesn't go down. Remember that, folks. Because in the next two seconds, Jericho then hits the Judas effect, which is obviously much stronger than a baseball bat shot to the face. So strong that he falls over when he hits him with mm -hmm. it. And despite not having any offense in the past ten minutes, Jericho covers Wardlow for three. Yep. <clears throat> wow, that was stupid. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else to say about that. That was... <sighs> we all knew Jericho was winning... And they booked themselves into a corner this way by by making sure that the only way can to you, get out of this was Wardlow losing, which is a problem. Can you imagine what they could have done with Wardlow if he had won here? Because not only do you get do you not only do you finally get one of these uh, you have to defeat all these guys before you can face me stories. That doesn't actually end with, oh, you defeated all those five guys and now you have to face me, which would have been interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, Wardlow being the being the monster that saved MJF's ass, mm -hmm. I think they could have they could have done something with that. He he, he would be 
like, I'm trying to think of the, of the right nickname, like, the Destroyer. Like, he's the one who stopped Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, the Monster Wardlow, the, the I almost said the Machine, that's someone else. <laughs> but yeah, they could have ran with this, dude. They could have fucking ran with it. In fact, I say you take it a step further, and you have Wardlow like pin him after the F10 and after all those power bombs and they're just like yeah. this was a slaughter. Hundred <laughs> percent. That would have been great. But no, Jericho's got to get his win back. So. Yeah. Instead, we have a, a, a the stupidest finish in the history of these labors, where again. Jericho is dead to rights. He took six power bombs plus an F10. Yet somehow, some way, he's able to to kind of hit Wardlow with a baseball bat, and then Judas effect, which looks shitty. Of all the Judas effects he's done in this company, this one looked terrible. At least he didn't kick out of the F10. That would have fucking pissed me off. Right. Right after the pinfall, Sean Spears attacks Jericho. Hey, I remember him. Out comes Sammy Guevara. Warlow tosses Sammy off Spears, and MJF gets back in the ring and locks the Salt of the Earth armbar onto Jericho. Jericho taps like a bitch, but Jake Hager runs down to make the save. MJF scampers back up to the stage, and then Teddy Long shows up and says, Let's make it a three-on-three! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so Jake Hager can scare off MJF, Wardlow, and Sean Spears. Yep. That makes sense. Rock hard Jake Hager, wouldn't you run? <laughs> oh, God, he's got to fuck me. <laughs> MJF says Jericho doesn't know his stipulation. And then he tells Jericho his stipulation. <clears throat> he bans the Judas effect for next week's match and then takes it further. No Judas effect, no Judas music. And if Jericho uses the Judas effect, MJF automatically wins. MJF, so MJ- then says, MJF sorry, okay, go ahead. and no paradigm shift either. <laughs> it's exactly what the fucking stip was when he fought Moxley for the title. So M- MJF cancels karaoke, and he's the heel? Yep. But I, I'm oh, so, okay, sucks. again, we talked, and I talked, um, I talked with Jason and John on NXT Rundown about People who get to make any stipulation they want. Anything. Anything in the history of wrestling, you can make the stipulation. You could make it a, a fucking uh, mimosa fucking match, or whatever the hell he called that stupid thing. Mimosa mayhem. M- m- mimosa mayhem. Um, or you could make it another death match. You could make it a fucking handicap death match. You could say that Jericho has to have both his fucking hands handcuffed behind his back, right? And instead, the stipulation is one that MJF already used and didn't win with that stipulation either, so why do I care? Ooh, he can't use the Judas effect. So what's he going to beat him with uh, the salt of the earth armbar? So that was he going to do? He's going to use his own move against him. I hate this stipulation. I <laughs> hate that this match is happening on dynamite. Like, thought the whole fucking reason for this was to build to all out. And uh, I don't know. Fuck, who cares? <laughs> like, right? Like, I like MJF's character. 
I thought he's done a good job in this program, but verbally. But, I mean, these stipulations have all been fucking awful. Sean Spears can use a chair, but you can't. And then Spears loses. And the chair was barely used. And then we had the death match and the pizza cutter thing, which, bleh, no thank you. And then we pull a fucking luchador who's like 50 years old and make him fight Jericho. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. It's, long, it's long-term booking, so. What'd you think of this episode of Dynamite overall? Or what'd you think of the main <laughs> event first? Um, yeah. Like I said, there was so many ways they could have done this correctly. And they didn't do any of them. Yep. Uh, it's... Uh, uh, so bad. So bad. It, it's... I don't care. I don't care about MJF versus Jericho again. I don't fucking care. I mean, I didn't care when they first signed the contract, but I was at least intrigued. Like, oh, I wonder what MJF's going to put him through. And and granted, the death match was violent, but none of the, none of the way they booked this, like, make sense or build to anything or it didn't even tie into the elbow. Like I get, he put him in the salt of the earth on bar tonight, but shouldn't everybody have been like attacking Jericho's elbow? Cause that was the whole story going into the, the labors. Right. You know what I mean? So I, uh. it feels like a, a convoluted misstep of epic proportions. This entire so like, feud. So like most of AEW storylines, Specifically this one. <laughs> and maybe you could throw Archer's storylines in here, too. Um, yeah, I, again, he used the fucking step. You can't use your finisher on Moxley. And guess what? Moxley used his finisher anyway. So is that what we're going to get next week? It's just, oh, and that's the other thing. <laughs> um, so if Jericho wins, then what? Because Sammy's fighting Spears next week. So do we do another uh, Pinnacle versus Inner Circle match? Uh, <laughs> oh, shit, we've already done everything. What, what do we do at the pay-per-view? Uh, uh, we can do a Battle Royal. Any thoughts overall on Dynamite? Uh, not uh, not a horrible episode. No, it's all right. It's uh, got one. It's got one ten on Cage Match. Mm. Ten. The show cannot be bad or even average because of these amazing crowds. Also, the opener might be my favorite trio matches in a very long time, and I love the current Never Six Men run. Looking forward to the suite of matches in the upcoming weeks, and especially to Friday. Hmm. This show cannot be bad or even average because of these amazing crowds. I mean, I agree. Serious, it's nice bro? to have crowds, but... <laughs> but yes. Fucking serious, bro? But yes, shows can be terrible, even with crowds. <laughs> so... I think... Yeah, two, the, again, the, the, the opening six-man was fucking pointless. 
Um, it was fine. I didn't have a problem with it, but it was like you said. It was just so we can get Kenny and the Bucks in that space, so we can have Christian come out. You're going to be shocked by this, but a certain newsletter gave that match four and a half stars. Uh, the I'm not that shocked. <laughs> the, tw- the, the Twinks were pointless. Uh, the other six men at least kind of had a story behind it, kind of. Wait, you're saying that the Hardy family office versus the pseudo, pseudo best friends is more of a story than the Elite versus the Seidel's? <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of pretty crappily told stories that aren't even the main story. Also, are we done with Matt Hardy and Christian now? Because I thought they were still feuding. I, yeah, I hope so. Mm. Now the women's match existed. The Impact World ta- the Impact Tag Title match was, was the women's match was fine for the simple fact that the, even though they. For some reason, couldn't I don't know why they couldn't just make it a number one contenders match. I don't know why they had to go with the whole like this will have serious title implications. Like no, just say it's a number one contenders match. Um, but yeah, you know, I like I said I enjoyed the four fifty. Uh, as far as the backstage stuff, I like the idea of Pack versus Andrade. That's yeah. fine. I like that idea. Um. And I thought Andrade and Chavo were were decent this week. Um, Vicky can fuck off. Oh, and Paul White can fuck off too. I mm-hmm. don't care. I don't care. Talk about a few that should be on dark. Paul White and QT Marshall needs to get the fuck off my TV, and it hasn't even happened yet. But Sal, you haven't seen it yet. How do you know something's going to be bad? Because it's Paul White and it's QT Marshall. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's rampage. (coughs) Fucking lungs will stop rumbling against me. Uh, Rampage. Rumpage, episode one. Troy's going to hate me for that. Uh, (laughs) We open the first edition of Rampage with the all-new opening video. And we are live from Pittsburgh with the... Exact same set as Dynamite. Were okay. you under the impression they were going to have a new set? I don't know. You'd think they wanted to do something different. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Excalibur introduces the commentary team, and Jericho screams about Britt Baker and Red Velvet. Mark Henry takes Miro versus Fuego, and Taz takes the Impact title match, which is your opening contest. The very start of this episode... Within 15 seconds, Jericho's screaming, and I want to yep. stop, and I instantly contemplate watching it on mute. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, this fucking idiot, already? Shouldn't you be half dead after what the labors did to you? Like, why are you even nah, here, been, bro? It's been two days, he's fine. Mm. But next week he'll be tired. Uh, you're a ring <laughs> announcer for this... Your ring announcer for this inaugural edition of Rampage is not Justin Roberts. I think uh, I think that's Dasha. Look, I think it was Dasha. Pretty sure real, it was Dasha. Real quick, how, how good is it going to be next week when the the match starts? We get the entrances for MJF and Jericho, and and Jr. just keeps going. My God, he's so tired. He's so tired. Look at that man. He's so tired. <laughs> Shouldn't have stayed up so late after Rampage. He know he, he knows he needs to have a good bedtime. 
Uh, Brian Hebner is once again your referee for this Impact Wrestling match, so I guess fuck IWGP. Um, Brian Hebner immediately forgets that both belts comprise the TNA <laughs> Impact Heavyweight Championship. Oops. I don't blame him for forgetting that because, okay, I don't understand why we still are carrying around both belts. Yeah. The whole point was that it were unifying the titles. How long did the WWE World Heavyweight Championship have both fucking belts? Uh, until... Too goddamn long. Yeah, too goddamn long, it's true. I'm trying to think. So Randy Orton won it, won the world title from John Cena, and then Daniel Bryan had the two belts, and John Cena had the two belts, and then Brock Lesnar had the two belts, and was it Brock that they gave, they finally gave the WWE Championship to? I think it was Brock. Possibly. Yeah, but it was a while. It was like six or seven months. Uh, the bell rings, and they just stare at each other. Oh, Don. but at least the World Heavyweight title and the WWE Championship had been established and defended for the past God knows how many years, as opposed to the TNA title, which was in the trash for five years. And then Moose pulled it out of the barrel as a joke, and all of a sudden that's like a real title now? This is why I don't watch Impact. Right. Uh, <laughs> Don Callis stays at ringside because the commentary table is full. Uh, they speak to each other in the middle of the ring, then Jericho and Mark Henry make fun of the Hebners. Christian ducks under the lockup and takes the head off the ropes, and he drops Kenny with a shoulder block. Christian then does finger guns and flips Omega off. Half knuckles, and Kenny gets a kick to the gut, then he drives Christian to the mat with some strikes to the back. Irish whip is reversed. Kenny grabs the ropes, but then runs at Christian anyways. He ducks a clothesline, hits a chop, and they both tease finishers, and Kenny hits the floor. Callus whispers something to Kenny, and Christian gives chase. He gets caught returning to the ring. They trade chops in the corner. Kenny sends Christian across and then hurls his ass at him. Uh, Christian avoids a baseball slide by re-entering the ring and hitting a dropkick. He throws Kenny back in and goes to the top, but Callus causes a distraction, which allows Kenny to push Christian to the floor and push us to box. When we come back, Kenny is still in control, but Christian cont- uh, tries to fight back. He does not succeed. Christian hits a snap suplex, but Kenny rakes the eyes, and we push back to the corner. Jericho is a fan of this, even though he's currently a face. Mark argues with him. It's not good. Christian is up top. He fights Kenny off and hits the sunset flip bomb. 20 punch in the corner from Christian, maybe because he's Canadian. I don't know. Uh, then he stands on Kenny's neck on the rope, springboard to the floor to the uppercut, and then an elbow from the second rope gets it, too. Christian wants the kill switch. Kenny hits an elbow, sent on moonsault combo, kind of, and that's a two count. Reverse DDT by Christian, and that's a two. Christian wants a spear, but gets a knee in the face. Jericho screams, powerbomb by Kenny, who into another trigger, and that's a two. Kenny wants the angel, but Christian fights out. Spear by Christian, and that's a two. Uh, Snap dragon by Kenny, then a second. Christian snaps Kenny's neck off the top rope and comes off the top of the frog splash for a close two. Callus takes to the apron so Kenny can punch Christian in the balls and beckon the Bucks to ringside to give him a chair. Kenny ends up getting kill-switched on the chair, and Christian Cage is your new Impact World Champion. <laughs> Thoughts? Okay. I really like the match. Um, I thought these two did well. Um, couple of things. This 
you know, seemed like a watered-down version of what they're going to do in the pay-per-view, which is a problem, because what they did here should have not been done, and we should have, the first time they've been in the ring together should have been at, at All Out. Just throwing that out there. Mm. Um, also, just a little nitpick, like I said, I did like the match, and I did like the result, but why don't we just come out and say there are no disqualifications in AEW? Because it's getting to the point now where you can fucking stab someone behind the ref's back yeah. and they'll count a pin. Like, who was it? Hebner? Uh, Brian Hebner? Yeah. Dude, he's being talked to by Callis for like 10 minutes <laughs> while we get the chair, we get the setup for the one-winged angel, we get Christian getting out of it, we get the kill switch. Phenomenal kill switch on the chair, by the way. Yeah, that looks good. How long is Brian Hebner going to face the other way? Like, pretty soon we're going to get Battle Royal and, like, the ref's going to be facing the other way the whole time and not know what happened behind his back. <laughs> Maybe they were having a very in-depth conversation about the mysteries of the universe. They they have pushed that line too much to the point where not only do your referees have no credibility, but, again, just say it's no DQ because your matches are having no credibility at this point. Um, that being said, I was surprised they did the title change. Uh, Omega still seems like he kept, uh, he kept, he kept strong because, you know, it was on the chair and it was a misstep by the Bucks and, you know, he kind of has blame to pass around, but also the one thing that was a little jarring was how many times during the show that they... Well, like, yay, Christian won the Impact title, but the most important title in the world. Yeah. <laughs> this this was a this was a very uh, forced way of doing that thing where you go, see, Christian can beat Kenny, so maybe he'll beat him at the pay per view. Yes. See, anything can happen. Yeah. See, that's the thing. The match was fine. It was good. But yeah, the story is you are really trying to force it like, oh, Kenny Kenny can be beat. And if that happens at All Out, he'll lose the AEW championship. (laughs) Like at that point, you might as well have made it a six man with the Bucks in Jurassic Express. And then you could have done the pin that way. (laughs) Like, instead of like, Dragon. Now, one thing that is kind of cool, uh, when Christian was in TNA, he was the NWA world champion, because that's when they still use that belt. And right when they were changing over to the TNA championship, he lost it to Angle. So Angle became right. the first person to hold that TNA title that you see there. And Christian never got a chance to hold that belt. So right. it's kind of full circle, because now he gets to hold the belt. And... um. Kinda. To be honest, I don't mind Christian going over to Impact after he's after he loses it all out. Uh, not full time, obviously, but he's got a history with Scott Demore, which is funny too because when Christian first showed up in TNA, Scott Demore tried to get him to join Team Canada, and Christian was like, "No, I'm a babyface now," so he didn't. Uh, but yeah, there's some stories you can tell with Christian. 
I'm per- like again, I'm perfectly fine with Christian being Impact World Champion. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't need this. We could have done this three weeks after All Out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a very transparent effort to pop a rating for Rampage. Mm-hmm. And uh, very hack booking to say, see, Christian can beat Kenny, so maybe you never know. You better you better buy the pay per view because you might beat him at the pay per view too. But the thing with that is, if Christian does win at the pay per view, which he won't, it takes a lot of the. A, a lot of the, I don't want to say sting, but that's not really the word I'm going for. It takes a lot of the, 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 the good feelings of, of that off of off of a Christian win at the pay-per-view. Because we've fucking seen it already now. I have breaking news. Um, Ric Flair accompanied Andrade to ringside at Triple Mania. Okay. And then him and uh, Andrade uh, ping-pong chopped Kenny back and forth during the match. So not only is Ric Flair, and granted it wasn't in the United States, but not only is Ric Flair back in a wrestling ring, uh, Ric Flair is actually getting physical with talent. God help us if they actually bring him to AEW and they have him fight Sting. God help every one of them. Uh, but I'm trying to find out if Andrade won the title. I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Flair also put the figure four leg lock on Conan for some reason. I don't even know why Conan was there. Omega was able to retain his title with a one-winged angel on the title belt. Okay. So... Kenny is still the AAA Mega Champion. I don't really know why. But, um, yeah, Ric Flair shows up at Triple Mania to wreak havoc. Which means that next week's big surprise is not CM Punk. It's going to be Ric Flair. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, so what happened after the match? I was looking at a GIF of someone dressed as Spider-Man entering at the beginning of Triple Mania and getting completely stuck on a zipline. Uh... Nice. Callus throws his Pepto-colored scarf as Jurassic Express hit the ring. Jericho screams. Scott Demore hits the ring and gets a hug. Mark Henry will talk to Christian when we come back. We return from break for replays of what happened before break. Goldfish. Thank you. Real quick, before we continue, this first match on commentary was a disaster. <laughs> I enjoyed the in-ring between Christian and Kenny, but 90% of this match was Jericho screaming and Mark Henry and Jericho trying to talk over each other. I will give Taz credit, because obviously he's been doing this a lot longer than those two. He knew, like, when to pause and when to get in, like, a couple of quick sound bites. Like, if you if you remember, you didn't really hear Taz much on this episode. Because he was being smart. He wasn't trying to talk over his, his colleagues. But that's all we got from fucking Jericho, who cut off Excalibur, 
who cut off Mark Henry, who just randomly screamed shit in the middle of the match. Like, fuck, dude, you don't know what you're doing on that commentary table. You need to stop. It's about me. 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 Fair. How can I make this about me? Uh, Mark Henry is backstage with Christian. Orange Cassidy is looking on for some reason. Mark, what? congratulations. Why? <laughs> just because he's orange. He's just standing there, like, uh, hands in pockets, like, hey, there's a title belt. Orange Cassidy, your next Impact World Champion. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Mark congratulates Christian, asks him about September 5th. Christian immediately puts Kenny over, uh, then says he can't win the AEW world title. Then he says he will win the AEW world title. That was confusing. Mm-hmm. From there, we go to a video from Fuego del Sol talking about what it would mean for him to get an AEW contract. You know what it would mean? You know what it would mean, Sal? What? Slightly more money to do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Wrestle on dark. So, we had talked about um, what will Rampage consist of this week. Will it have two matches? Will it have four? Will it have fucking seven, like a bad episode of Dark? They went with three. I will be the first one to tell you that this match in the middle didn't need to be here. I would rather an in-ring segment with Andrade and maybe Death Triangle than this match. But no, let's fucking do the match anyway. TNT title match, Miro defends against Fuego Del Sol. When Fuego comes out, we see that he has a record in AEW of 1-39. Why are we doing this match again? Oh, because if Fuego wins, he gets a contract? Hmm. Very hard to decide. More on that later. We are told for the 15th time that if Fuego wins, he gets a full-time contract with AEW. Yeah, no shit, assholes. If the TNT champion isn't signed to AEW, I think we have a problem. When Miro has his back turned to Fuego after he makes his entrance, Fuego attacks and hits a Tornado DDT. Miro is staggered, but tells the ref to ring the bell anyway. This reminds me of Brock. This was like a complete, like, um... Brock Lesnar sell job when, like, somebody, like, catches him off guard and, like, oh, shit, is Brock gonna lose? You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Uh, Fuego hits another Tornado DDT, and I start to get pissed, but Miro falls By to the, the way, outside. Are we sure that's Fuego and not negative one? Mm, he's a little bit taller. Not by much. Uh, we, yeah, I start to get pissed and Miro falls to the outside. They tease a count out. And to be honest, at this point, I figure, well, that's how they're going to get around this. Fuego wins by count out. Miro keeps his title. Fuego still gets his contract because he won the match. And I'm like, I'm not happy with it, but I guess it's all right. I would have preferred that. Jericho then says the one funny thing that he said all night. He says, if Miro gets back up, Fuego del Sol will be Fuego del Dead. (laughs) And I laughed at that. I'll give him credit for that one. Miro Miro indeed makes it into the ring at nine. Because, you know, that's never been done before. Fuego hits a third Tornado DDT and covers, but Miro kicks out at two and a half. They sold the shit out of that cover. I'll give him that. 
Excalibur specifically. Oh my god! Oh my god! Fuego goes up top and leaps, but Miro catches him across the shoulders. Speaking of Fuego del Dead, Miro hits a Samoan drop, and now Miro's pissed. Miro, Miro destroys Fuego's face for the Machka kick. Jericho then comments that Fuego's face is, Fuego's head is somewhere in the fifth row. Uh, Miro locks in the game over, and Fuego taps like a bitch. So the game over is just a sleeper at this point? Sure. Not even a camel clutch? Um, Miro then grabs the contract on the clipboard and takes it out of the clipboard and rips it in half. Miro offers the TNT title up to God, and we go to break. Let's recap and give our thoughts here first. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? So, <coughs> Miro's nameplate, when he came out, mentions uh, that he has uh, defended the title five times. Mm-hmm. This makes six. Let's look at these six title defenses, shall we? Mm-hmm. Since winning the title from Darby Allen in May, he's defended against Dante Martin. Whoa, that wasn't the first one. Was that the first Cody. title defense? Yeah. He's defended against Dante Martin, okay. Lance Archer, double or nothing. Okay. That one Evil was pretty Un- good. I'll give him the Lance Archer one. Evil Uno, Brian Pillman Jr., Lee Johnson, and now Fuego Del Sol. Other than that pay-per-view match, none of those title defenses are impressive at all. Uno wasn't bad. It was fine. It was okay. It was like a C-. minus. Yeah, but they were all foregone conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miro has Miro has yet to have a TNT title defense that that makes you go, oh, he's a dominant champion. Because all he's doing is just fighting nobodies. Yeah, but he beat Archer pretty good. That's one out of six at this I point. I know, I know. Um, yeah, and he hasn't exactly dominated anybody. Every single one of the other five have given him a fight. Yeah, we talked about that last week with Lee yeah. Johnson. He's not really dominating anybody. Lee Johnson should not have lasted a, 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 a against Miro in a match long enough to need a commercial break. Okay. To that point, Miro getting pissed off, destroying Fuego and ripping up the contract... If you end that entire story right then, okay, Miro's a killer. Look what he did to that guy's hopes and dreams. Dream squisher. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. And then maybe, you know, uh, to be honest, it's very difficult to find challengers for Miro because there's nobody that looks believable against him other than outside of an archer or a Wardlow or something like that. Like... Lee Johnson? Lee Johnson ain't fucking beating Miro. And to be honest, you know, I, I kind of thought by now you'd have a program with Cody, but obviously he's busy. <clears throat> and I'm fine with that, to be honest. Because they would make it into a um, America thing. But I loved Miro ripping up the contract, and then we came back from break. And AEW did something that I have crucified WWE for. 
And what they did is they undid everything they just did. Because... <laughs> Back from break and we see highlights of Miro destroying Fuego. Back in the ring, and Miro's long gone, but Fuego struggles to stand up. Then Sammy Guevara's music hits. Sammy comes out, and then Tony Khan comes out and hands Sammy a clipboard. I know where this is going, and I fucking hate it. Why, uh... Why does the contract on that clipboard look a lot thicker than the one Miro tore up? Hmm, good question. Also, why is Tony Khan on camera? I thought he was never going to do that. <laughs> and, and the commentators, too, they reacted like, Oh my god, it's the boss! The boss is never on camera! The boss. See, you know what? That's the difference. Bischoff, when Bischoff used to come out on Nitro... He looked like the boss, like he had power and control. Same thing with Paul Heyman. Same thing with, obviously, the king of that, Vince McMahon. All right? Hell, even fucking Hunter with the authority, when he came out there, he felt like, oh, fuck, the boss is here. You know what I mean? Tony Khan has less presence than Johnny Ace. (laughs) As the boss. Like, get the fuck out of here, the boss. Anyway, don't even get me started on him, because he's just a fucking chode. But Sammy gets in the ring, and Tony Khan that it would only thought that it would only be right if Sammy is the one to come out here, since, they, since he's best friends with Fuego. And he tells Fuego that sometimes, even in, in a loss, you know, you can prove yourself. And he hands Fuego a contract... And he says, Fuego del Sol is all elite. And they hug in the crowd cheers, and I fucking hate it. And Fuego immediately drops the contract. Yes. But then has to hold up the clipboard, like, yay! Two things. Number one, this is exactly the the same way I felt after WrestleMania 32, where we did a two-month build-up, and we were like, Shane, if you beat The Undertaker, you will become the general manager of Raw. (laughs) And then he didn't. And then the next night, Vince was like, nah, you could be the GM anyway. (laughs) And then The Undertaker said, no. (laughs) So that pisses me off, because I hate, hate, hate in wrestling. When you have a stipulation, it goes one way, and then they were like, eh, that's all right. We'll just forget that that ever happened. And then... To make this worse, why did you have to do this here? Why couldn't Fuego just earn a contract another night? You know, like, oh, Fuego gets a second chance tonight against Lance Archer. So I don't know. <laughs> Third thing, this is a complete, complete ripoff of the Drake Maverick storyline they did a year ago. Uh. Where they were like, oh, Drake, you lost, but we're going to give you a contract anyway. Um, I just, what the fuck is the point of the match then? What the fuck's the point of the match? What the fuck's the point of the stip? Do you know what this was? This was them trying to create an organic moment, or an organic moment, like when Cedric was in the Cruiserweight Classic, and he did really good, and the crowd chanted, please sign Cedric, and then Hunter came out and was like, yeah, and he gave the thumbs up, and everybody gave a big pop. Like, that was a real moment. And and you felt it. You know what I mean? This felt fake as fuck and completely pointless. 
<laughs> just uh. I think that's the perfect that's the perfect way to, to 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 explain it. They were trying to create a moment for the debut of Rampage. Yep. Because, like you said, who gives a shit? Okay, they signed another enhancement guy. You haven't told the story of Fuego's struggle. Like if you've told it on dark, no, it did. doesn't they, count. They, they showed a three they showed a two minute video before the match. That's nice. <laughs> the fuck? Why do I give a shit if they signed Fuego del Sol? <laughs> I don't. And I knew he wasn't gonna beat Mira. And to be honest, I would have been pissed if he beat Mira for the title. I would have been absolutely fucking pissed. Oh yeah. But this, the way they did this isn't any better. Again, if we completely drop the whole thing after Miro rips up the contract and we go to something else, I'm f- more fine with it at that point. Mm-hmm. But no, we have That'd to do great. our moment. Ugh. Oh, that would have been great, because then you get you get Miro being the... The dream killer. The total, total heel asshole, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Miro keeps his heat. Like, not only is he a destroyer, he destroys streams. Like, I actually would have preferred that. <laughs> uh, this Wednesday on Dynamite, the Bucks take on Jurassic Express and defend the AW Tag Team titles. Sean Spears will take on Sammy Guevara again, and Sammy has a special announcement. The Fifth Labor of Jericho plus Sting and Darby versus 2.0. Sting returns to TNT. No. Sting has a match on TNT for the first time in 20 years. Granted, they also made this a Texas Tornado match. Hmm. I wonder why they did that. Is it so Sting and, and one of the 2.0 can fight backstage? Mm-hmm. And we can get a uh, a very scripted pre-taped fight of Sting backstage while he takes a 20-minute breather? 20 minute. I'm kidding. 8 minute. Because that's how long the match is going to go. Uh, speaking of Sting, Sting and his son are showing up in the rafters. How original. We go to a hype package for Chicago next week, and they hype the largest crowd in AEW history. Oh, up in the up in the rafters. Those, uh, those gloves Darby's got. Gloves? I thought he had nails. Just... He had nails on the gloves. Ah, gotcha. Those weird red spiky nails. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they hype Chicago next week. Largest crowd in AEW history. Get ready for the first dance. Look, I'll yes, give them... These... Uh... Rampage episode two, the first dance. Yes. I will give them all the credit in the world if they actually put a decent amount of people in the United Center. That being said, they didn't do it. There's only one reason... <laughs> There's only one person, um, and they have painted themselves in a corner, because if that person doesn't show up, they are fucked. Just saying. Uh, from there, for no reason at all, no reason at all, we go to a side-by-side, quote-unquote, pre-match interview with Brit and Red Velvet, with Mark Henry in the middle. Uh, Mark Henry is awful. <laughs> and it's pretty pointless. And uh, Henry tries to ask Britt Baker how he feels that Red Velvet ruined uh, her celebration last week. 
And she's like, Red Velvet didn't ruin shit. Okay? And then even before that, Mark Henry's like, so Red Velvet, tell me why uh, you don't like Britt Baker. Why are you so mean to her? And Red Velvet's like, did everybody forget that she beat me up and burped up my face? And blah, 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 blah. Like, dude, nobody cares about you. You're in Pittsburgh. Go away. Why did they do this? Why did they do a pre-match fucking interview? No idea. How do you think Mark Henry did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty terrible. Go ahead. A boy needs some uh, schooling. I wrote, well, it was an interview. Enter Red Velvet when we return from break, because it is main event time. Red Velvet now being announced from Miami, Florida, and not straight out of your mama's kitchen. Why? So that's something. <laughs> Why did they have uh, to change that? Enter Britt Baker to the roar of the crowd. Uh, Rebel comes out after the pyro to wave the terrible towel. They've changed the blood dripping into Britt's video to gold. Uh, I don't remember if that, that being changed on Wednesday. Uh, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. It's probably a one-week-only thing. Uh, Paul Turner rings the bell, and we lock up. Velvet takes the head. Britt takes the arm. Velvet takes the arm. Britt counters the final slice, and we circle. Britt with a snapmare. Velvet with an armbar. Uh, Wrist-lock takedown by Britt gets two. Velvet with a roll-up for two. Uh, then she doesn't stomp the broken wrist. Dumbass. Uh, Velvet's sent into the corner, but she avoids the charge. They do some wrist work, but Paul Turner demands they return to the middle of the ring. Back and forth we go, Velvet with a big kick and a standing moonsault for two. On this, we go to box. When we come back, Britt hits a hip check in the corner and then gets taken down with a neckbreaker. Britt ducks a kick. Velvet goes after the injured wrist, and that's a two. Rebel starts a DMD chant as Britt avoids an axe kick and hits a page turner. We roll around into a crucifix for two. She wants lockjaw, but Velvet turns it into a cover for two. Velvet removes the cast glove thing and throws it in Rebel's face. Britt rolls Velvet up for two. Turner throws Rebel out for some reason. She... Didn't do anything, but okay. Velvet hits a thrust and or super kick, depending on if you ask Excalibur or Jericho. Then a moonsault from Velvet gets it, too. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Velvet hits the kick, and Chris Jericho yells, Ah, oh, super kick! And Excalibur goes, Ah, the thrust kick! Ugh. Big Ushigoroshi by Velvet. Where, uh, I wonder where she learned that from. Uh, gets a two count. Jericho wonders... Oh, sorry. Ushigoroshi by, by Britt Baker. Baker. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jericho, okay. Jericho wonders if that could have concussed Velvet's neck. Oh, dude, I love that he said concussed and then got really shook and was like, contusions, contusions, could have made contusions on her neck. Like, first of all, probably shouldn't say the word concussed on AEW television. First, First of all, you can't concuss a neck. No, you cannot, but you should also not say the word concussed. On an AEW show. Sore subject. Matt Hardy. Britt uh, Brit with a curb stomp for a two count. Velvet tries to put the lockjaw onto Britt. Britt starts laughing as she counters it, I think, because Velvet almost picked Britt's nose for her. Britt wants the, lo- Brit the lockjaw, but Velvet starts smashing on the broken wrist, so Britt puts it on reverse, and Velvet taps out. Jericho screams. Uh, I enjoyed this. Because I enjoyed the crowd being fully behind Brit. I'm always a sucker for the hometown getting behind somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, makes for good TV, in my opinion. 
Uh, we're going to see it again in a couple weeks when they get when they get to Cincinnati because they've already been talking about Moxley comes home. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 all in for stuff like that. And Britt, <laughs> Britt looked like an absolute star. So damn right she won. Damn fucking right, because I would have absolutely quit if if fucking Red Velvet was the goddamn AEW women's champ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Britt's parents are happy, the crowd is happy, Britt hits another page turner and then wants to curb stomp Velvet on the title until Statlander stops her. Then Jamie Hayter reveals herself as Britt's backup attacking Statlander. Velvet then gets curb stomped after all. Hooray. That's how we go off the air. Certainly you remember Jamie Hayter, right? Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? I mean, they made such a big deal about her coming back and hiding her identity so that you wouldn't know who she was until she took her mask off and, you you know, you get that big surprise and go, oh, shit, it's Jamie Hayter. If you don't remember who Jamie Hayter is, don't worry, neither does anyone else. She lost her AEW debut to Britt Baker on October 23rd, 2019, (laughs) and was then attacked by Brandy Rhodes. Then she successfully teamed with Emi Sakura against Riho and Shanna on November 6th, 2019. So she's a big deal. When this person came to the ring and removed their mask, I went, that, that's not Peyton Royce. I thought for half a second it was Becky Lynch. I'm not going to lie. Did you really? I saw the hair and went, oh. (laughs) I just knew it wasn't Peyton Royce, and I was very confused because everybody told me that the Iconics were debuting on this show. I mean, it had to be another ex-WWE guy, right? That's what I was told. No? They didn't use an ex-WWE guy? Okay. That being said, uh, I had no idea what the fuck it was until Excalibur said it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, and and Excalibur laying it in yes. so that you definitely know who it is, because obviously nobody knows who the fuck this was. I, I'm fine with Jamie Hayter being uh, a bodyguard or muscle sure. for Brit, but this was a weird way to do it. This, yeah, no, that's ex- exactly, I have no issues with Jamie Hayter being, being another person in this crew, but this is not how you reveal if you want to call it jamie hater yeah you reveal jamie hater by having a backstage interview when Britt baker goes this is jamie hater she's my new backup right this reveal is for someone the crowd knows yeah you can't do this spot unless somebody is very established already and known and it's a shocking turn of events this especially because especially because Excalibur had to yell at us that this is Jamie Hader and that she's changed her look completely since she was here two years ago. The only the only other way this works is if it's a local hero. If it's somebody Pittsburgh knows. Do you know what I mean? Um and and, and I'll give you an example. Like if if this was WWE, right, and they were in, let's say, Texas, right, and um, Michelle McCool shows up, right? Like, she's not, like, like super known anymore, other than being The Undertaker's wife, but 
she's known enough that people would be like, oh shit, it's Michelle McCool. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you basically did this as if you were revealing a big deal, and then the whole crowd went, who? <laughs> fuck, do you know who the fuck that is? Hey, who is that? I don't know that. I can't see it. I can't see the screen. Yeah, this this was Julia, not. Is that Julia Hart? I think that's Julia Hart. <laughs> no, wrong JH. Wrong JH. True. Yeah, and it was just this was the wrong this was the wrong spot. Swing and a miss, as they say. <laughs> Other than that, Brit was good. You know. Yeah. The title change with Christian was good. I thought it was a decent episode of, of Rampage. It was action packed. It kept me I entertained. It, I this is I thought it was a decent episode of Rampage. This is the best episode of Rampage yet. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. It was, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this. Uh, it's only an hour. Yep. It's easily easily digestible. The commentary um, team was atrocious. They need yes. to get Jericho. The, you know what? To be honest, I hate to say this. But you need to get Jericho and Mark Henry off the of commentary. Yeah. Because I'm actually fine with them just letting it be Excalibur and Taz. I can work with that. I've watched enough episodes of Dark. It's fine. This is fine. <laughs> but Mark Henry, who... And it's not Mark's fault. He's never fucking done this before. Not on a national fucking broadcast. <laughs> He's That and the fact that they have decided that... He can do fourteen different things. Yeah. It's Tony not... Tony Khan Tony Khan did an interview last week where he's like, "This is a four. It's a four man booth, but it's not really. We don't consider it like a booth. It's it's a show. It's got four hosts. You know, and Mark Henry will be you know wandering around, or maybe Jericho will have a match, and so you'll have you know three on commentary or whatever. Or Mark Henry will be you know backstage with someone, you know, three people in the booth or whatever. Mark Henry." Who, like you said, has never done commentary before, has never been a backstage interviewer before, has never been an in-ring interviewer before, and you are taking him with none of this experience and going, here, do all these four things. And figure it out, pal. <laughs> Live on cable. I would say... Like, the, the, the backstage interview with Christian... It wasn't terrible, mm -hmm. but it really was so much of Mark Henry just going, you're my friend and I like you and I'm very happy for you and excited <laughs> that you are the champion now. Oh man, Christian, I'm so glad you have that title. You are my friend and that you are the champion and I'm very excited for you. Yeah. Um... That that part didn't even upset me. The part that upset me was the stupid fucking pre-match interview with Brit and, and Red Velvet, where you can tell he's trying to remember his lines or remember his questions <laughs> or read them off something, and it just was awkward. And again, I don't blame Mark. Dude, Booker T wasn't good when he first started a commentary. It's true. 
Okay, give it a few years, and he was okay. But then again, you also had people training him every day. You had Vince McMahon in his ear every day. You had Michael Cole helping him out. You had Jim Ross. You had Lawler. You had everybody was helping out Booker T to become a better commentator, and he eventually did. Um, and I'm sure Taz can help out as much as he can. I feel like they figured it out on Dynamite. Like, Scalibur knows his role. And he's usually the one to call the moves. And JR and Tony will make comments here and there. And sometimes JR says old man things. But for the most part, it's not the worst. They seem to have found their roles. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. give it two or three weeks before there's a change. And they, they reshuffle yeah. this booth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, again, to be fair, this is the first, the first episode, the first time that these four men have been in a commentary booth together. But, like we said at the, when we started talking about Rampage, you have you have a Chris Jericho in there, and Chris Jericho's personality is such that his only reason for existence is to say, "Hey, look, I'm Chris Jericho. Hey, look, I'm Chris Jericho. Hey, stop talking. Hey, look, I'm Chris Jericho. Hey, shut up. Hey, look, I'm Chris Jericho. Hey, look, I'm Chris Jericho." But you know and what? To do that, and to do that as loud as he possibly can. I was going to say, if he did it in that volume, in that tone, I wouldn't exactly be as upset about it. The problem is Jericho thinks that being Sebastian Bach or <laughs> being fucking David Lee Roth is the way to do this while on TV. Like, oh, it's a showman. I got to be a showman. No, shut the fuck up. Okay, you're not a screaming rocker from the 80s. You're an idiot. Okay, and when you scream like that on commentary, it makes me want to shut off the program. So, I, honestly, I felt honestly, I felt bad for Taz. Which is something Taz, you probably didn't think you were going to say. And it's kind of sad because of the four, Taz was the best commentator of the night, I'd say. I think Excalibur tried his best, but... Because well, Excalibur was too busy trying to write the fucking ship. Hundred percent. Because, because, like you said, Taz has done this for thirty twenty years, years almost at this point. Like yeah, not thirty fuck twenty years at this point. And so Taz knows when to talk, when to lay out, when to just let other people speak. Mm -hmm. Excalibur knows this as well, but Excalibur is. I guess you call him lead commentator. And so Excalibur has to try and steer this conversation in the direction of the story beats. And, and then you've got Chris Jericho, who doesn't know when to sit out because that's not something that Chris Jericho knows how to do. And Mark Henry, who doesn't know when to sit out because he's never done this before. So you've just, so you've got one guy trying to be a professional and not getting to say very much at all. Taz did not get to say very much at all. You've got Excalibur who's trying to speak, but keeps getting cut off by the two guys who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And just anytime a thought pops into their head, I'm going to say this right now. It's just over talk. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it was very noticeable that when Taz did say something, it usually made sense. It usually went with the story. <laughs> yep. 
there was another wrinkle to the Jericho problem, and it's that he doesn't know what character he's supposed to play in this role. That was the other. Thing. So yeah. he'll say heel things, and because he forgets that he's the face currently. Like during that whole Miro match, he was like, "Fago's got no shot. Fago's got no chance. Fago's." A... And I'm like, "Okay, I get it. You're trying to like build the underdog story, but you're not doing it right. You're coming off as a heel. You're not supposed to be a heel right now. You're supposed to be a baby face. Figure your shit out." Being so very pro uh, cheating in the fucking Impact title match. Yes, yeah, that too. So, but uh, you know. Episode one is in the books of Rampage, and now we all collectively wait to see if the man who captivated us in 2011 and then broke our hearts in 2014 returns to wrestling next week. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. Uh, yeah, so next week... Uh, on Dynamite, we've got, like you said, Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks for the tag titles. Should be interesting. They're not going to win. Should be entertaining, but no, the titles aren't changing. Anything. No. Uh, Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara for some reason. Uh, Darby Allen and his dad versus 2.0 in a Tornado tag match. So that they can keep Sting somewhere protected, else. I guess. What's the word the where f- they? What's the word when they put somebody in a tag team? Because they're either hurt or they're old and they can't really work anymore. And no, they protected uh, is a good word for protected. Them. Okay, yeah, hidden. <laughs> <clears throat> and MJF uh, versus Chris Jericho, uh, sans Judas. <sighs> Why do I suddenly want Jericho to come out as the Lionheart? You don't, though. You think you do, but you don't. And <laughs> <laughs> see if they can. Licenses uh, his old WCW music for a night. I think I'd prefer fucking Matrix Codebreaker Jericho. Anyway. You know what I? You know what I prefer? Mm-hmm. The the shiny shirt Jericho, short hair, shiny shirt Jericho that came back that one time and didn't say anything. Oh yeah, I remember that. I want that Jericho. That was good. And they have not announced anything for Rampage next week, so uh, it's all a mystery. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Two things in the news this week, uh, both of which uh, we uh, briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, a new report has an update on Max Caster's AEW status after he was edited off this week's episode of AEW Dark. Uh, the acclaimed worked a match on the episode on this week's episode, but the match did not air, and there was speculation about Caster's future after he took AEW and acclaimed references off of his Twitter bio. According to Fightful Select, Caster is still with AEW, but his appearances are on ice as of Tuesday afternoon. There's no word on what uh, that entails or how long it might last. Sensitivity training has been discussed, according to the report. Of note, there's another report floating around saying that Caster has been suspended for two months and must de- definitely go through sensitivity training, but Voices of Wrestling is reporting that there's no truth to that. Uh, they are told it is total fiction. All of this, of course, stems from Caster's controversial rap lyrics that were edited out of last week's Dark, in which he referenced Simone Biles, the Duke Lacrosse rape scandal, and took a vulgar shot at Julia Hart. Tony Khan had said afterward that the, rape was th- that the rap was terrible and that it should have been caught in editing and that he would be directly editing AEW Dark and Elevation going forward. This week's match that was cut out involved an Eiffel Tower spot with a wrestler. So, ha 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 ha, funny. 
Um, I I will echo what Jason and Troy discussed on WWE Rundown, and that is that Tony Khan is absolutely at fault here. Like number one for letting the boys, letting the inmates run the asylum, because that's what they've always bragged is that they let them do whatever the fuck they want, right? Mm-hmm. But also, there is no doubt in my mind. I am a hundred percent convinced that Tony Khan heard that rap before it aired on Dark, before they posted the video on YouTube, and he was like, ha, that was funny, and did not give two shits less what the content was said in it until people were like, hey, you can't say that in 2021, and he was like, oh, fuck, I gotta take that down. Freaking woke mob coming for me. Like, you know he thought he could sneak one past the goalie, and he thought no one would get mad. Fuck, I was mad when they said the Renee shit a couple weeks ago. I thought that was fucking lowbrow and poor taste and misogynistic. And this just well, took it like... A couple of months ago. A couple months ago. But this just took it a whole nother level down. Like, And again, do I blame Max Caster? I, no. he. Jason put it very well. He said that indie workers... That's what they are used to doing. They're trying to stand out. They're trying to get people to remember their name. Um, I completely blame Tony Khan on this one. Like, why? And plus, why can't he be a fucking man? Why can't he be a goddamn owner and be like, that one's on me. There's no way I should have let that on TV. I did anyway. I fucked up. I'm sorry. It will never happen again. Like, why can't you just do that? Why can't you just be like, oh, I didn't hear the rap. I was off doing something else. And then... I will be editing going forward. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Talk about a fucking sleazeball promoter. He's already a carny. He's not even fucking born into the business. Tony Khan is not a carny. Tony Carney? Tony Khan. Tony Khan. <laughs> Tony Khan's a fucking mark. I know he's a mark, but he's lying like a carny. I wasn't there when that happened. Yeah, okay. Fucking idiot. Hangman Page took to social media to comment on his taking some time off, thanking fans for respecting his privacy. As uh, reported, uh, as we mentioned, Page was not on Dynamite this week because the plan was always to have him take some time off as he and his wife prepare for the birth of their first child. Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that. Page took to Twitter and commented to thank people for respecting that and tease that he's aiming for the world title when he comes back, saying, quote, thank you to everyone who respected my privacy these past few months and a big eat my ass to those who chose not to. (laughs) <laughs> I'm mad in hell, and you know what I'm coming for when I get back, unquote. I I hope that there is a point where Hangman gets his redemption story and, and hoists the world title. I do. But my, my issue is, you know, we have we have talked about Hangman being the future of this company for a couple of years. And it was always a when that happens, but we were in no rush for it. They, they put this in our heads two months ago. They had Uno come to the ring and be like, whoa, there's our new number one contender. I wonder who it is. Maybe don't do that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I get the whole thing of plans change and, oh, they didn't, you know, I could have sworn we knew that, that Hangman's wife was pregnant before Uno came out on Dynamite that night. 
Um, maybe, maybe not, but it's just like, why give me the story if you're not going to give it to me? I'm still mad about that. And again, yeah, so that... I think Hangman will be fine, but it's just, you know. You just disappointed me for All Out, because if you never put Hangman in the title picture, I would have been perfectly fine with Christian versus Omega. Yeah, so like I said, it's, uh, as I said in the story, the plan was always to have him take some time off. Why, uh, why give us the blue balls then? Yep. And the wrong person, too. We're not talking about, like, oh, maybe Sting will get a world title shot. Like, no, that would have been stupid, but nobody would have been, um, hurt when it didn't happen. You know what I mean? There, there were, there are plenty of ways that you can write Adam Page off TV without it being, hey, the elite say you're a loser and a failure. Oh, they're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So not only did you tell the story just atrociously, um, you really pissed off a lot of your fucking fans. Because that's what they wanted, and they're not going to get it. And yeah, I know we're entitled fucking spoiled IWC assholes, but no, it's because we all actually like Hangman. <laughs> so Right, right. I got anything else? No. no. That wraps it up for week 94 of the AEW Rundown. As always, be safe, stay sane, be kind, get your shots. Just be good to one another. Uh, next week, we, uh, depending on what happens on Rampage episode two, we will either be recording right after Rampage <laughs> or probably on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, during Takeover. Um, unless Sal decides to move it to Tuesday because nothing happened on Rampage. So we'll see what happens. But, um, that's for next week, uh, Sal and I don't have to worry about. For this week, uh, good night. Good night. Goodbye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the salzer effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>